Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. To infinity and beyond! The Lord tells me he can get me out of this mess, but he's pretty sure you're cooked. It's why you fail. You can't handle the truth! Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Say hello to my little friend. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? He hit our son. Happy birthday, Polly. Oh, no, I got his stuff. No. Well, the Duke, baby. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Barstool, episode two. I actually think it's 275. I don't know. Who fucking knows? In the 300s? No, it's 319. I wasn't even close. I was off by at least, <laughs> at least 44. Uh, Jeff Lowe, Ken Jack, and this week we have our good buddy, Hall of Famer, Coley Mick. Was supposed to be an add-on. Unfortunately, our man, Troll Ballins, uh, some some travel Wi-Fi issues, uh, so he will not be joining us today. We're reviewing Pixar Soul, interviewing James Marsden, and also Trill sent in a bracket, which Coley and Ken Jack both are unaware of what it is. The bracket this week is going to be rejected names for Baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, oh God! I bet you fucking Coley's going to love this. Surprised you didn't make this. <laughs> Seriously, that picture growing going around of like the strung out baby Yoda that that person got for Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, I had about 50 names run through, and I was at a toy store yesterday, and they had one of uh, the Funko Pops with very clearly a made up name by me, just plastered right on it. I cannot believe how close my made up names are and the real names are. Yeah, you got to figure it out. You should go work for them. Just go work for Disney. Dummy, why didn't you do that in the first place? <laughs> it doesn't appear to be that hard. I I don't know what ideas they say no to. Well, How about we got you though, McMahon? We had to replace uh Trill with another dad for at least the, the Yeah. Like we can't we can't sub him out and not get another dad, especially for Soul. Yeah, well that's the, I wanted to yell about this off the top. I get a text from Jeff yesterday mm-hmm. and he goes, Hey, you want to come on this weekend? We're going to talk wonder woman. And I told him to go fuck himself. I'm not, <laughs> like, I know I've done a lot of superhero movies on here, but if you think I'm going to watch that piece of shit, you don't know me very well. Well, you, you did, you posted a meme about it. And in my head, I thought either he saw it or he's just riding the wave because he knows the movies well enough. And it turned out you were, I mean, it's, Look, we're going to review Wonder Woman, and we're going to review The Midnight Sky later in the week. Two movies, which I would call bad. Now, <laughs> one is I, I, both of them. I have issues for multiple reasons, and I know Ken Jack does as well. But it, it, it's it's all it's very rare that there's a boring movie that we talk about on here that I'm actually looking forward to talking about. Both of them are very boring movies, and I am actually excited to talk about. So that's like the rare double boring movie that. Like I, it'll be a, a good discussion because, man, those are those are two. I mean, look, Wolf. Spoiler alert: 
they're, I mean, they're both just not good movies. But one was like more shockingly bad than the other. If you would have told me ahead of time that Wonder Woman 1984 was bad, I don't, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like that doesn't shock me because like one comic movies, you just really never know. And on top of that, DC's track record is not good. Right, bad. Midnight Sky was, I was, I was stunned. I, I was quite floored how bad that movie was. So we will review that. Uh, anyway, what's what's going on other than that? We uh, congrats to the the Chargers. Last week we had the rare all three teams won: Browns, Colts, and Chargers. This week, Chargers avoided helped us avoid the, the zero and three. So yeah, uh, only in the last minute too. Especially after they already blew like a sixteen point lead versus Denver in their first matchup. So thanks to them, got a worse draft pick. Thanks, guys. And you now it's, it's it sets up me potentially being incredibly miserable because the Browns are definitely going to play at four o'clock next week, and so I'm either going to be very happy or just in a, in a, in a because I, I usually it takes me about I have about a three hour grace period to get over like losses, so like I'm I'm whatever now like I've moved on. There's funnier things to like get my mood over that, but next week that'll be different. Um, anything anything exciting? Any, anything happening uh, of of note? I don't, Cole, you're not playing cyberpunk, I imagine. So I don't think we can have much of a cyberpunk discussion. No, well, I like I knew there was all this hype behind it, and I was interested in it, but I I hadn't finished uh, Miles Morales yet, and I'm not like a play multiple games at the same time kind of guy. So I waited, and then day one, everyone's like, "This is the biggest piece of shit that's ever existed." So I avoided that. So I'll wait like a year from now when they actually finish it. Or if it comes out for free on Game Pass. Actually, you're a PS PS guy, I would assume. That might just be a wild guess. Five. Okay, just making sure. I just said PS to keep it blanket. I didn't want to presume that you went PS5 uh, fully yet. I got 2K21. Like so arrogant about it these days now, too, where it's just everything is a money grab and, like, nothing nothing in that game feels genuine, ever. Like, nothing feels like they want something to be cool. The wor- Maybe the, the most they try is the weird thing, especially in 2K20, where, like, they inserted themselves into the game, the 2K developers, where they're like, yeah, come watch our 2K show where we talk to 2K players. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a uh, fuck. About, like, why am I watching this every halftime, every pregame? Why are you forcing me to talk to you people? Like, I don't want to do any of this. I just want to play the game. I want to make my son's massive, team that has LeBron James. <laughs> there's a massive disconnect between, between me wanting to watch a streamer who's nasty at, like, Call of Duty or a shoot-em-up game versus a streamer who's nasty at 2k or madden like i know what real football looks like there's no equivalent like i can't go watch war you know what i mean and i wouldn't want to (laughs) i do like watching the end yeah i do like watching the nfl and nba so watching someone else play a video game and i hate these fucking video games on top of that there's just this massive uh disconnect that i don't think i'll ever get over where i can go watch like um uh, who's the guy part of my take loves Nick Merckx or fucking yeah. uh, the glasses Tim the tap man guy. they just interviewed. <laughs> oh, yeah. the mop. That's the guy Ooh. that's really good. The mop. Everyone loves him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't I was talking about Dr. Free my boy. Respect, but yes, the mop. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do anything wrong. He he worked within the rule book, Smitty. Shut your damn mouth. <laughs> he belichacked it. He did. Yeah, other than that, nothing crazy. Just been playing. I played a lot of Cold War. I, I just stopped playing Cyberpunk because I finished the main campaign and I'm just I'm done with it. I'm I thought that game it. was supposed to take months or like years of someone's life to finish. And I see everyone say the same thing as you. They finished it and then it crashes during the end credits. 
It, yeah, it crashed during the end credits. It crashed like once or one. I think I averaged one and a half crashes every hour for every hour every hour I played the game, which is probably maximum of uh, I'd say like twenty total. And that's because I only did side quests and shit like that because I didn't want to finish the game too early. But uh, I don't know. The side gig stuff is fun, but the main campaign is just not not there. Give us your spiciest basketball take, Mister McMahon. I don't know. I don't know what's. I don't. Know. I, I'll tell you what. Nike is kind of dropping the ball with these jerseys which ones didn't you like because there's a couple that i didn't like but i don't know if it's a unpopular opinion it's pretty much the vast majority of them like they had this idea like every single year we're going to give you new jerseys you would have thought they would have banked like five years worth of jerseys before they made such a bold claim like they they've run out of ideas in record time mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's a lot i didn't like i kind of like the brooklyn ones because like the schoolyard kind of touched to it but yeah. I didn't like the Mavericks or, or no, the Milwaukee ones, the blue ones. Terrible. I, terrible. I didn't like them. I don't like the Cream City ones, which I remember from last year were even worse, actually. But I didn't like those. those I didn't at least re- funny. Yeah, exactly. That was there was a humor element to it. But the, those those Milwaukee ones I didn't like. I didn't like the I think it was the Mavericks ones weren't very good either. And oh, shit. I'm trying to get the other ones I saw. I Miami fire is always the like the but I mean, Jeff, the Cleveland ones are terrible. They, they were like, idea good, execution I, poor. It's, it's no, cool no doubt. Idea. It's a cool idea to nod all these famous musicians, but like when you need when you need to Da Vinci Code explain what every letter <laughs> means, that's just like that's not. And, and like they actually they're they're currently playing in them right now as we speak against the Sixers. They're up like twenty points too. They 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 look. Like from afar, they look cool, but then when you realize what they are, they're like, "That's just that's too much." You've, but I think that's the idea with all of the Nike, like them having to make a new jersey every year. Like it sounds, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of the things that sounded awesome for them, and then they did it, and I feel like they didn't make them until the last two or three weeks for the seat because they're like, "Oh shit, we forgot." Oh my god, <laughs> and they got extra time this year too, and still yeah. nothing. Like the Milwaukee ones specifically i made fun of those when they first came out and the amount of people that follow me from milwaukee was astounding i didn't see that coming because <laughs> i was like known uh city by the sea milwaukee and everyone was like well actually we're right on lake michigan i was like that who gives a fuck dude you boston's on the atlantic ocean no one's like oh beach city boston like that's not yep. how it works you're cold you're a cold place that you don't get the water <laughs> on top of that they're trying to have it all. That's smart. It's smart, like a tourism branding move, especially in COVID when everyone wants to go to Michigan for their beaches. But uh, at the same time, just, I don't know, the visually doesn't line up for me. No. Cavs just keep leaning more and more into the maroon. I feel like they, I don't know. I, I don't these, know. I feel like they need to pick a, these, a proper these shade. Were, these were black. They, as long, you know, I hate, I hate the gray jersey trend. That's been going on yeah, for a few years like now. Everyone's going to gray. It's the most, most boring color. Like it's no, it's gray. It's gloomy. Like I don't they'll understand do the, why. They'll do like that lionsy gray one. You know, I think it's the lions color, not their color rush. You know, the lions uh, where they have gray on gray, and it's almost like a bluish yeah. hue mm-hmm. gray. They're all like that same shade, and I just I don't like that at all. I I I feel like I feel like what like like the Nike exec room is they forget or they like they have to do all these jerseys and then they do the Miami vice one for like a different version of Miami vice. And then it's just like an NFL draft war room. They're all like dapping each other up. Like we did it again. <laughs> like oh, we got to do 29 other teams and they're not as easy as this one. Going from Miami vice to cream city. That, that was the last one on the board. 
Or they're like, we need something for Milwaukee. And one guy's like, oh, Cream City. <laughs> I went to a Dairy so we, Queen there once. We thought we fired you, Tony. Get out of here. <laughs> Who's <creep>? Tony Scheffler? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Detroit tight end. He's just like, oh, I love I loved all the cream I got there. I purchased it nonstop. All right. This episode brought to you by Trifecta Nutrition. That's right. Trifecta is the best meal prep on earth. All of their meal plans are created by chefs, nutritionists to help get into the best shape of their life. They want people looking good, feeling good to start out the new year. We're right around that corner. Everyone, you never wants to change their diet. Everyone wants to exercise, you know, the whole, well, it depends on if your gyms are open in your area, but anyway, whether they're working out at home or somewhere else, uh, but I'll take it a little, little advice. I think we all know food is arguably the most important part of losing weight, getting healthy. Um, Trifecta makes that meal prep not suck. All their meals are backed by nutrition, science, and taste great, making it simple to get into the best shape of your life. And again, food, that diet, I, I lost like 60 pounds of summer. I didn't work out one fucking time. Not a one. Um, you don't have to suffer to eat healthy either. They're going to make it convenient. They're going to make it delicious as well. Save time rather than having to spend hours meal prepping with like those million Tupperware containers. And you can, I know that's like a flex you can put on Instagram that you cooked like 90 chicken breasts and you put them in small Tupperwares on your like stove. Uh, but also help you stick to nutritional goals. Their meals have the precise macros people need to gain, lose weight, uh, gain or lose weight and meet their physical goals. Science-backed nutrition as well, like we mentioned. All of their meals follow scientific nutritional principles and their food quality is fantastic. Fresh food, never frozen, organic produce, gluten-free, uh, fits everything, meat that is animal welfare level five, the highest possible, fully cooked food, no wasted time cooking or cleaning, just heat and get healthy meal prep, even athletes use. Um, meal plans that fit people's lifestyles, vegan, paleo, keto, anything. Um, and right now you can get 40% off meal prep with Trifecta Nutrition with code LIGHTS, L-I-G-H-C-S. Go to trifectanutrition.com slash lights for this exclusive offer. Uh, let's get into some news. We do have to talk Wonder Woman, um, not the review, but just in general, what's happening with the movie. Uh, a few things. One, movie kind of stinks, apparently. Uh, to those who maybe haven't seen it. We say it stinks. Some people may like it, though. I will, I've seen some people say they like it. I'm not going to discredit your opinion on that. Coley, of course, shaking said saying, yes, we will. <laughs> but, but I know some people like it. Uh, but the, apparently the consensus is, no, not a fan of Wonder Woman. It was initially certified fresh, and then it lost its third certified fresh badge. That, you don't see that very often. That's very like they're smart though. They they incorporated it into their advertising really fast, which was smart. They kept saying like in like in the first uh, like I don't know five days, not five days. It hasn't been fucking five days. The first like two days, like certified fresh, certified fresh, brilliant move. And now that's gone. They, I guess I'm assuming they took it off those there's ads a, anyway. There's a lot of like the reviews. We'll get into it next. We'll get into it later in the week. I, I don't want to do the review part now, but people not loving it. Made a lot of money though. Big money for a COVID box office release, though. That's a big sign, and that helped it get a sequel. I don't know. Ken Jack, I'll start with you. You, you saw it as well. Um, I don't think any of this is surprising, though. No, uh, the, the, the movie isn't as bad as I think a lot of Twitter people make it seem, but it is still, I think, not very good. I don't think that this this it calls immediately my brain for a sequel, but I think like Patty Jenkins is very hot on the streets and Gal Gadot, if she wants to make another movie, no one's going to tell her no. Right. And so I guess that's just kind of where it's at. So, you know, DC needs to make money. This movie, I think in a non COVID situation would have made comparable uh, superhero movie money. 
maybe not as good as the first one, but still pretty good money. So I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's like I don't feel the passion in these movies to the point where I I think it needs a third. That's where I'm at. Where uh, when are you going to watch it, uh, Coley? I can't imagine anytime soon. <laughs> it's I, it's not a like DC needs to and like you said, I tweeted the the meme. I always check for DC animated. Always yes. right. So it's not like a me ver like MCU versus. DC, the fact that they don't even call it DCU, the DCEU, like they can't even get their fucking uh, three acronym. three letters. Acronym, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I can't even speak English anymore. They can't even get that part right. So like, and to be fair, like there have been plenty of Marvel sequels that weren't good. Plenty. Mm-hmm. So this isn't even as necessarily like a DC thing like everyone always tries to make it out to be. I think they're hard. Uh, I saw a lot of people talking about like keeping it in the past was kind of like a weird idea. Like it didn't really translate well. So I don't know. Maybe if they make the third one modern day, they can make that one fine. doesn't surprise me they're going to make a third one. If you went to the movies to see this, you shouldn't vote. You shouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> you break, yeah, you went to like a crowded movie theater to watch. That'd be the worst way to catch COVID. If you went to go see Wonder Woman 2. We should be in the pumping theory. COVID into those vents. Like, <laughs> those are the people who deserve it more than others. Nah, you redirect them for that movie uh, with Robert, The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro. Oh, wow. That's a good a 22. one. I finally watched that. Got my hands on a copy of that bad boy. Oh, man. When I was watching, because, like, I don't watch much live TV where I even get commercials anymore. So when I'm watching a game and I was, like, last week and I kept seeing commercials for movies coming out on Christmas in theaters, it just... Like, it, I couldn't compute in my brain what that even meant. Like, who's going to see these new movies in theaters? None of them look good. Not a single one. There's some, like, if I could have seen, um, like, Tenet in, like, a theater that I rented out, because, like, AMC and I think Regal now do, like, the $100 you can rent out of theater. Yeah. Like, if I could see Tenet in a theater doing that process, absolutely, I'm doing that right now. But, like, I would not, in this situation, go to it for Wonder Woman. And I think... With some of these movies where, uh, like, you can kind of wait and gauge the reaction of, you know, critical and and just the popular vote and all that shit. I'm making it sound like it's electoral, just fucking Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) But, like, if you can wait and gauge the reaction, and I think that's a good way to kind of, like, figure out whether or not you should go and, like, spend money and go watch this in a big theater. And, again, responsibly speaking, too. Like, this is like renting out a theater talk, not going to a crowded as independent theater. But, so, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. Weird times. I, I'm not surprised it's got a sequel. It makes complete sense. Like Kendrick said, they're never going to say no to this. But I do laugh when it's like, that's the news that comes out. They're like, sequel, greenlit. It's like, maybe bury that one a little bit for, for that's like when, that's like when they really rent, like Star Wars kind of had that a little bit when things were starting to go south for people sent to it about Star Wars. They're just announcing more projects. We're like, ah, yeah. we should probably just hold off for a minute. They kind of got the hint on that. Now they just announced a billion new things, but for a while they were like, uh, we should just, we should just shut up for like 10 minutes. Not that yeah, I'm saying like, I, look, and I, I, I hate sending so like, like nasty over it. Cause like they put a lot of work into it. And like, it's just one of those ones where it's like, it's clearly a passion thing for Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. It just didn't work out. I'm not saying like, shut up and never talk about it, but it's one of those ones with the studio, like maybe hold back on pumping that news. Maybe a, a a hair just a touch mm-hmm. it's weird too because dc man they got superman and batman those are the superheroes 
You gotta fucking make find a way to make those work. That's they, like you gotta build the foundation on top. Like that's the foundation, right? Superman and Batman. You need to build that first before you try and going any higher. And like make a third Wonder Woman movie before you have a successful Batman or Superman independent movie. Like that's crazy to me. I there was I this is my one note I'll make on this movie. And this is kind of how what I think Coley, just so you get a sense like where I'm at. This didn't feel it just didn't feel like a Wonder Woman movie. It just that like that was my biggest takeaway. Like I watched the well, my biggest takeaway was that was really boring. But the second one of those, like like that, just wasn't. That didn't feel like a a wonder like. It hardly feels show, like a superhero movie. Let's showcase Wonder Woman. Like I'd rather a like a bad movie where at least I got Wonder Woman. It's, it's like DC's. There's some villains are always like the. There's always a talking point or villains. Let's talk about the heroes. So again, we'll get into it later in the week. Speaking of. Uh, no, I didn't have a good transition on that one. Coming to America, <laughs> the sequel to Coming to America. This is coming <laughs> to the number two America. Coming to America, obviously, Darren Ravel's favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Just a side note. I don't think he got a role in this one, though, unfortunately. They gave him the cameo. Uh, first, first trailer came out for this movie. Eddie Murphy looks like he's aged no more than 90 minutes since the last movie. Uh, from, from 1988. Uh, set up the event of the first film. Um Features Arsenio Hall back, Eddie Murphy, uh, Leslie Jones, and Tracy Morgan in the movie. Uh, what did we think about? I mean, almost I think I think almost everyone who's still around is back in this movie. What do we think about the first trailer for this coming out March fifth uh, on Amazon? Which I forgot because I think it was originally potentially going to go to Netflix. I think, but now it is going to be on Amazon Prime uh, March fifth. Coley, what did you think? First trailer coming to America. I. <clears throat> I don't have high hopes for a movie what's 30 year 30 plus years after uh it's released is that right Yeah uh Yeah oh yeah wow yeah 32 Yeah uh I don't have the highest of hopes and it is weird since Netflix gave Eddie Murphy a shit ton of money that this isn't on Netflix that kind of is a red flag for me that it kind of might stink but if I have one hope for this because I kind of I kind of just missed it when I was a kid. Like Arsenio Hall used to be the most famous person alive. No, oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> like not even close. And then he just like isn't anymore. Just so stopped. I hope, yeah, I, I don't know if he stopped. I like I don't know if the machine was just like, all right, we're done with you. But like I would love if on the other side of this, we just got another Arsenio Hall resurgence where he was just one yep. of the most famous people alive again, getting talk shows and things like that. That's what I'm hoping for out of coming to America. And if Ravel's in it, I, it's a zero. <laughs> he didn't even kill someone. Why is it not, not Ravel I'm talking about, Arsenio Hall? Like that's like a fall off where like you would assume he murdered someone accidentally. Like what the fuck? Why did I mean, he like, fall off so hard? Like, Ar- like Arsenio, like, that that's a very famous part of like Bill Clinton becoming president is that mm-hmm. oh, yeah. saxophone, yeah. He went on Arsenio because Arsenio like was a was culturally impactful. Like he moved, he was it was a game changer. It is it is crazy. It is like it's nuts. It's it, it is that he just became nobody. He's not nobody, but he essentially is to a current generation. He's a nobody. Right. Like like trying to explain to someone who's like like trying to explain to Big T that Arsenio <laughs> Hall used to be like like it was like Letterman and Hall. Like those were the two late night hosts. Like that, those that was the cream of the crop. He'd be like, I don't even know who that is. You you'd ask him who's Arsenio Hall. It'd be like that's a cornerback on West Virginia or something. Yeah, like he'd Arkansas, have no clue. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he would have no counterpoint. That for those who don't know, that's our coworker Connor Knapp, also known as Big Tennessee. Uh, he went to the University of Tennessee. Uh, he he is a a ninety five year old man trapped in the body of a twenty two year old. That's also so, kind of true. So yeah, <laughs> maybe not. He's know. also uh, from the deep south, though. So. Deep deep south. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the mountains of Tennessee, of of, right. of Georgia. No, excuse he's, me, of Georgia. He's a literal mountain man. Yeah. He looks like um, it too. He's like six foot four, just a clunky. Oh, he's bigger than me. Yeah, he's quite large. These are I, I called him a resident ogre at one point. Which I like the man, but like I, yeah, it's not a knock on him. It's just you know, um, <laughs> that's tough not to be a knock. But it's definitely true. a it's knock tough. on him. He took it. He took <laughs> it. To the I said, I, I mean, I don't know. I I like Shrek, so I don't. <laughs> That's what I'm going to use that that excuse. I'm going to go. I've got plenty of ogre friends. You're like uh, ogre to me. (laughs) Hey, hey, you're like an ogre. Don't worry. I like Shrek. It's (laughs) ogres are cool. Then you have to go really deep because you're like, well, wait. Do you view him as the audience's view of Shrek, or like the townspeople in Shrek? (laughs) You have to explain it. That's a tough one to get around. Um, Yeah, I don't. This. I think there's a a a very low chance this is a good movie. It just it has all it has all the makings of a bad movie <laughs> of a, of a bad sequel that should not have been made and I think I, I I think I know what it was I think it was the picture of Tracy Morgan and Leslie Jones where I went this isn't going to be good it ju- it just has that vibe of oh this feels really forced and uncomfortably bad those um, are the two most forced actors and actresses you can throw into a movie. Where it's like, we need this to be funny. Let's just throw these two names in the mix. Maybe you're watching too much Supermarket Sweep with Leslie Jones. I don't know. Could be the case. But mm-hmm. what other... I know there was a recent movie that wasn't uh, the Dumb and Dumber sequel that had a crazy like 30-year gap between... Oh, them. Ted and Bill and Ted. Right. I, I was thinking of something else even, but... I, like, I just don't know what the success rate is when people take that fucking long off. Like Cobra Kai did it pretty successfully, but even that it's like, it's so subversive towards the original concept. Like that's kind of why it works. And like, this is just a literal sequel to the movie that just happens to be 30 years later. I was going to say, that's a, that's a like TV show based off of an old thing though. You know what I mean? I'm talking like a straight sequel to something else. Like I just don't, what was it? Bad boys. Am I thinking about is bad boys. The one that took the longest time off. That was like still okay. uh, 97 i think was the second one and then the yes yeah, so 97 to 2020 that's probably I mean, the second for second closest bad top gun boys. is having a pretty fucking long break oh top gun's a very long one as well i mean bad boys for life is like it's like a top 25 movie of the year yeah <laughs> so maybe my might be a bit off um i gotta look at my list was that uh, this year yeah bad boys for life oh yeah that was february that that's how you know it was a shitty movie it was right in the beginning of the year and they were like, might be yeah, a top five movie of this year. Yeah. How many movies were there this year? Oh, well, you, I imagine you haven't seen Sean the Sheep Farmageddon. No, that, I mean, that, that shit bangs, my friend. <laughs> I, that's in my queue. It's coming. <laughs> um, we are, I, oh, we're talking about a movie that I may have in my top five of the year tonight. Uh, and then next up, trailer-wise, Land, uh, starring Robin Wright. She also directed this movie. After a woman experiences a near-death experience in the wilderness, she must become comfortable living again. Ken Jack, thoughts on trailer for Land? I I 
am interested to see Robin Wright outside of the two recent experiences I had with her as Netflix political character's wife and also uh, now Wonder Woman. So it's like the two most recent things I can even think of of seeing her. And so I, I enjoy her getting into a smaller, maybe more intimate setting. And like a, this is like a more of an indie movie, right? It's like a Sundance thing. So I, I think it looks cool. I like survivalist stories. I like stuff that's out in the cold. Most of the recent cold type movies I've liked, you know, movies almost look like they're set near the great uh, ocean beaches of Michigan, sort of like Polar or um, what's the <laughs> what's the other really cold one? Not Siberia with, John, with Keanu, that stung. Um, there's another good cold one. Oh, The Grey with Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. movie that people hate the ending. I like that movie, though. So this, I like cold set movies. Enjoy Robin Wright. I, um, I forget who the guy, who's the guy in the trailer? Do you have the cast list by chance in front of you? In the trailer for Land? Yeah. Uh, Very same. Damien Bashir. Oh, it was. That's the guy from fucking Midnight Sky. So that's, uh, I think that all works out. That's actually a pretty bad sign because he's like the only horrorist dude, right? He, I think he was in like the nun and a bunch of other shit. He was also in The Grudge, which was a 2020 movie and a movie I gave, I believe, a one out of 100. Yeah, bad sign. So I don't know. I mean, I I I'm I want to see Robin Wright do something different, and this looks like that. So holy I guess shit, I, this he went uh, he went on a three movie tear of the Nun, the Grudge, the Midnight Sky. That's just <sighs> that's a tough Whoa. scene. He's a horror actor, right? Like I think he did a bunch of horrors before that. I don't know. Maybe you think of someone else. Remember him being in a bunch of cons. Cole, I don't see you <laughs> jumping at this movie as a next up in my queue. The only saving grace, speaking of horror, like the only saving grace I even saw with this movie is if it took uh, a horror turn towards the end that you really don't. What's is misery is misery. The one where the woman uh, keeps that guy captive and then breaks his. Yeah. I kind of got that vibe from it. Um, But it's the bear who gets her captive. Uh, High on the, it felt like, like, Somehow a slower female ver- or woman version of The Revenant is what this movie mm. looked like. Woman versus bear. So, that's a very good point. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, this, <laughs> this movie looked dull as hell. I could see why, like, Sundance and those. It looks like Oscar bait. Yes. No, I agree with that. It, it has very much that feel of this movie is, is built for that sort of audience, like the, the more artsy film-going audience, which is totally fine. But at the same time, I, I think there's opportunity here for it to be good hopefully again want robin wright to do be successful outside of netflix political character it is also worth noting that we did get a third consecutive christmas eve video from netflix political man we did uh this time he instead of vaguely threatening to kill people (laughs) he he and i and there are some people who like really took um like took issue with me like wrote like being anti this video like he had a good message he used the goodwill of suicide prevention to try and get people to have like he did when he tried to come out yes he he used something to try and get people to to feel as though they should feel bad for him or to put him in a positive eye which i i will say this podcast is going to come out and say we will not do that else the first the first pod to continue to say we're anti kevin spacey even Very if you do so. impressions of his political character from Netflix. I, I like that he changed the setting up this time. He wasn't doing a fireside chat. He was out by the, I don't know, was it like a public park or something? <laughs> he's, he's living, he's homeless now. His, his PR person's like, maybe this time don't vaguely insinuate you're going to murder them. <laughs> you know what? Like, I 
will never like it's three years in a row i've seen them come out and just not press play what will get me to press play is if it i hear at first hello twitter world and it's him and juice (laughs) just out in vegas then i'll listen to his threats until then i'm out they're out on the golf course that'd be beautiful i would love if like his his team like they release it and then they don't check the comments until december 23rd of that next year they're like (laughs) all right let's see we have a whole year of comments how did this one do like oh people still hate me okay they still what's, despise him what's the next? let me tell you something twitter world you should not start jerry judy today he did and and people said he didn't do it he did do the frank underwood for the first like 10 oh, seconds yeah. of the video he did he, he definitely did it and i just imagine again his pr person's like yo no 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 stop, stop, stop doing the murder guy not not a good idea uh um this episode it's almost new year's folks manscape here for new year's brought to you part by manscape this episode uh, happy New Year's for Manscaped. They're telling they're telling us to say Happy New Year's. Uh, it's it's the best in men's below the waist grooming offering. Precision engineered tools uh, for the old uh, family jewels, whatever whatever may may be your need there. Uh, clean it up for the new year, folks. Ring in the new year with the right tools. Uh, Manscaped. They're here to give you a New Year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. Perfect Package 3.0 is the best below the belt waist grooming package you can find. Start the year off strong. Keep yourself clean, freshly shaved. Uh, come out of quarantine, cleaned up, completely groomed. The Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof and skin safe trimmer that will reduce nicks to your, your balls, your best friends down there, as they say. The third generation trimmer even has a light to shine right on the promised land. Help make it easy. No issue. Start the new year with a fresh set of, of the balls, folks. Uh, they even threw in their shed travel bag this year. Uh, to keep all your, your your stuff stored, uh, tuck it away in your your dop kit, your travel kit, whatever you call it. Uh, Manscaped, they also are going to give you the anti-chafing boxer briefs as well. Bring back uh, a, a clean body there as we come out of quarantine, hopefully here in the year 2021. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LIGHTS, L-I-G-H-T-S, at manscaped.com. Your balls, anyone who knows you will thank you. If you're cleaned up, looking fresh, it's the way to go. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LIGHTS, L-I-G-H-T-S, at manscaped.com. That's a 20% off. Free shipping co L-I-G-H-T-S and manscaped.com using code L-I-G-H-T-S. Ring in the new year the right way. Uh, two more quick pieces of news. Looney Tunes. Ooh. Looney Tunes movie, Coyote vs. Acme, gets 2023 theatrical release date. Uh, you, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. I don't know what Coyote's thinking here. That's true. What has Acme fed him? Other than Gar- all they do is give him, they give him the, all the tools he uses to chase Coyote. It's not his fault he hasn't used them correctly. Listen, I I've studied him long and hard. He's following these directions. He's setting these things up properly. They haven't worked one time, not once. He has quite the case on his hands. It's going to be based on a fictional court case written by Ian Fraser, published in the New Yorker in 1990, that Coyote vs. Acme. Um, James Gunn, one of the writers. I mean, look, I'm not to sound like like a uh, like a cynic for Space Jam Two, but this this intrigues me more than Space Jam Two. Even though way I've, more, I, I have come around a little bit. I I am very excited to see Space Jam Two. The idea of them going through the multiverse of of Warner Brothers characters has potential to either actually be kind of cool 
or no in between, just a disaster. There's just, mm-hmm. there's really, there's no, we won't leave that movie going, that was boring. It's either going to be Correct. steaming ass or like surprisingly a lot of fun. But this, this, uh, this actually could, could be kind of cool. This is a neat way to take this. Again, my, I'm pretty sure I've said this on here before. My father's uh, immediate post game analysis of Space Jam when he took me to see it in theaters when it first came out was that it was the loudest movie he's ever heard. Uh, so yeah, you're going to leave a Space Jam. Uh, you'll feel it. There's no doubt in my mind. But it does feel like with that, they saw how well Spider-Verse did and they were like, yep, let's do that. So I'm, I have my reservations. This, this uh, Wiley Coyote versus Acme sounds fucking awesome. I'm glad it's getting like a full theatrical release and not just like straight to HBO Max, which kind of surprises me that didn't happen when I saw that James Gunn was involved. I'm glad they didn't completely cancel him because of some old tweets that would have sucked. Um, This is going to kick ass. I'd be shocked actually, if this stunk, I like everything about this. Mm -hmm. Leave space jam. You have fucking heart arrhythmia. This shit's so (laughs) loud. LeBron who's LeBron's favorite rapper friend. Who's going to be doing the soundtrack for this. Is it going to be a week? This seems like a weekend movie. Like the weekend would be no, doing the soundtrack. Who, who gives him? Who gives him all of their? Well, he gets a lot of albums early, but who's the one he's always? Oh, it doesn't he get? Doesn't he? Drake get usually Ken- sends him shit, right? Yeah, he but did. I know he gets Kendrick Lamar stuff early too. True. He did. I mean, LeBron James is like maybe the most famous person alive, so he probably also gets true, every true. album early. He, uh, <laughs> I mean, he A and R Two Chains album. That's the one, like, the Baker Mayfield music they put over him doing the, the head bob in the studio, too. That Titty was Boy changes. on on Space Jam 2. I don't know if that fits right. From uh, do you remember the first soundtrack? It's true. And also, Titty Boy did, uh, he did Black Panther's uh, soundtrack along with Kendrick Lamar, no? I don't think so. The Lottie Dottie Da Slob on My Knob song. That was future. Oh, fuck, you're right. Uh, no, that, I mean, that first Space Jam... Uh, soundtrack had, had like coolio well, was on there method man was on there like they r kelly's like the worst human who's ever lived like they they put everyone on there so even, I, but even uh like more than a game the lebron documentary was notable for having like that had that the eminem drake and yeah Bill forever Winston, forever yeah like, even that was notable for having like some good so like the music I, I i think the music won't disappoint this will be a movie where i think if the movie's bad you're gonna have like a soundtrack. I, oh man, I hope Eminem gets a song. Oh, please. Why would you hope that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we want that for sure. Because again, we want this movie to be completely entertaining or total ass. So this is where we get that that divot, <laughs> that dividing line, right? Is the is the Eminem featured soundtrack, which I'm, they did what Venom? So yeah, Venom. he's doing movie soundtracks too. I'm surprised, Jeff. You don't remember why Forever was in that more than a game, uh, being the big brand guy you are. What was LeBron's biggest contract as a rookie other than Nike? He's in his brain palace right now trying to remember. I that. am. Yeah. Now I'm not now I'm not racking it because now I can hear it. I'm not trying to look up the lyrics or anything. No, those lyrics won't help. <laughs> he still makes commercials for them. I can only think of him with that big Nokia phone at the WWE event, his rookie year, showing <laughs> it, it off to the bad. camera. Wait, that was that was the Sprite. Was that the Sprite Drake commercial where, where yeah. it folded into a speaker? Yeah, 
Okay. And yeah. LeBron's a Sprite uh, athlete. Yeah. True. So that's what brought, that was the, uh, the tide that bound well, it all together. What well, was it? It was Drake sipped a Sprite and then his, his body turned, <laughs> turned into, into like a robot. A speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His face came out. It was disgusting. And they played, that was one of the first like commercials I remember seeing in a movie theater that was like for a product, not for another movie. Like they played mm-hmm. that before every movie for like four years straight. I remember when the commercials first started, when you first started getting commercials before movies along with trailers, how stu- it was just so stunning. But I remember there was like an Eminem commercial that you'd always get the one or two old folks who don't watch TV really. Like they watch where we run to Andy Griffith and they're not watching new TV <laughs> and they're in the theater and they see like the Eminem commercial, like pretend and they're like, Oh yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, they make peanut M&Ms now. Oh, write that down. Yeah. Uh, Space Jam 2 this summer. Clay Thompson, I saw someone note that he will, Clay Thompson will have more Space Jam games under his belt than NBA games in the last two and a half, three years. Well, I didn't care for that. <laughs> I do. I like Clay Thompson. Like Miss him. Fact, though. Watching uh, the Warriors kind of sucks now, to be honest. Speaking of, uh, speaking of video games, we mentioned this earlier in the pod, ties back to this last one here. Christopher Nolan open to adapting his movies into video games, which... Just the headline makes it sound like he just learned what video games are. Like, just like the, he's like, <laughs> like, really? They can do that. Like, I love that concept that he's such a tech savvy guy, but like, he just learned about video games. So, someone did say that his kids were a big reason as to why Tenet had such a big stake in Fortnite. Uh, but here's his quote He said, You don't want to just be doing a licensed game. You don't want to just be tying into something and using brand established by the film same way actually you don't want to when you do a film adaption for a video game you don't want it just to draft off the brand you want it to be something great so he wants something which i mean in theory and like the idea of inception sounds like a very cool game like you could make a very wild game of like layers and different dreams and stuff though that that also does sound like a game that would be in developmental hell and be pushed back Forever. three times and be asked when it releases as well. They used to release a video game with almost every movie that ever came out. And a lot of them sucked. And some of them were pretty good and kind of fun. And I wouldn't hate them going back to that formula. Um, I, I think that Nolan himself could be a great teller of uh, like a, video, a cinematic style video game. Because a lot of video games, like the really good ones, have better plots than like almost every movie that comes out in a given year. And there's like a lot of thought and a lot of like world building that goes into that and i think that's something that chris uh, chris nolan like really likes he really enjoys building out a universe in the world for his audience and you kind of have like a limitless kind of uh, uh visual and audio uh world at your disposal and that's something like i'm sure for him is always sucked is like you're kind of limited in what you can do with cgi and all this shit in a video game you can do whatever the fuck you want you do whatever the fuck you want visually you can do whatever the fuck you want audio speaking and you can tell the story that you want to in your way and it's not going to cost 50 trillion dollars unless you're like cyberpunk or something so like i think that is something that he would should be attracted to understandably so in his partnership with warner brothers i would assume is now probably pretty rocky and so i don't know it may take a couple of years off make some video games for us wouldn't hate that i feel like he could wrangle some like pretty strong voice actors for the game too dude I was saying this the other day, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 had Gary Oldman, Ed Harris, like they had like legitimate, like fucking Sam Worthington was fresh off Avatar and he just did that. Like they have, the video games have some pretty solid voice casts sometimes. And he could get oh, a yeah. great one. He's someone who I feel like would do video games to boycott the movie industry for pissing him off too. Definitely. 
I would I would love for him to do it. I don't know if he would do the original idea, but like it would be very cool. It'd be a very neat thing for him to do. And again, especially with how creative he is with time and stuff, you know it would be like a sort of time warp game. Um, he could do something innovative and different. I mean, it'd be, it'd be very neat. I, I, even it, and boy, would it make money. You know, oh, yeah. you know that like the, the hype around that would be absurd. Just don't, just don't, just don't pull a cyberpunk. Yeah, that that would be end up being the problem. He would pull like a Kurt Schilling or something. He'd make his own. He'll make his own video game company and just do. He won't won't hire the right devs or whatever, and the whole thing will just get flushed down the drain. Craziest thing, and I don't. I'm not here to defend Schilling, but everything I remember reading about that was like that game actually ruled, but like he just didn't know how to like get people to buy it. Mm-hmm. What was it Green Monster Games or something? Right. I can't even remember. I just know he bankrupted Rhode Island. That's all I know. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> but I remember, like, he went out and he hired, like, the right people. And, like, every move he made seemed to make logical sense. And then it was just like, yeah, no, we don't care. It, it's well, it's just it kind of crazy to me that of all the things... Okay, this is not totally true because Keanu Reeves did do a really bad movie called Replicas recently. But you could argue the the biggest flop of Keanu Reeves in the last five years is a video game, without question. I I tweeted last week like they have to stop running those commercials because they're like sullying the good name he's built over these last this last his yeah. whole life. Am I crazy or do they have "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish in those commercials? Is that the song they use? One of them, I think the earlier ones that I I've, I saw yeah. one today like for is like the Xbox Cyberpunk package or whatever, and I don't <laughs> think it had it. Uh, Xbox Series S apparently it's it's very uh, it works perfectly on that just knocking it on PS5 which again pretty wild move I heard it was fine yeah. on the 5 but terrible on the 4 I thought that's what it was I have it on a 5 and I was having a lot of crashes I don't know man. Right. Again, well, maybe it's I have, the, I have the CD version maybe it's the download maybe I don't know no fuck I, I still think it, it crashing on on the on the end credits is one of the funniest fucking things of the so movie. funny it was a terrible ending, like extremely anti-cinematic. Like it just cuts off, and then while rolling the credits, it crashed. Like that's it's it's literally poetry. It's incredible. Um. Okay, James Marsden. We interviewed Jim. We actually interviewed James Marsden twice. We'll talk about that in the this interview. But we discussed a new series from James Marsden that's on CBS All Access. We talked a lot about X Men. Uh, just a we talked a lot about Sonic as well. He got he got really honest and like kind of fun about. Both of those movies, um, he was great. It was an awesome interview, and uh, here it is. All right, we're joined by James Marsden. How are you doing today, sir? Now, let's we got to give a little backstory. I can't hear past the applause. Hang on a second. <laughs> let's let's give a little backstory. We actually we we this is the second time Kenjack's done the interview. I yes. was not able to do the first one. Now I've joined. We had some technical errors, and James is more than nice enough to come back and talk to us again so are you kidding i'll always come and chat with you guys we can do it a third or fourth time if you want that that's going to be known <laughs> as the lost tapes that's just you're you're technically like bob dylan right <clears throat> we, we always we, we we hype up our two-time guests all the time so right now i think it's you jesse eisenberg aldous hodge and i'm trying to think i think there's one more but you're in the in the elite company of two-time guests now i gotta ask you a question is it two-time guests because they just came on to promote something else or two-time because there was a screw-up with the uh Oh no! Well, you are a unique situation here. <laughs> they came back we, to promote something else, but yeah, you're you're a unique situation. We often what we do is we interview, then we delete the recording, and then we just say, "Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay, no, okay. Right. Well, either uh, way, I'm thrilled and, and very grateful to be chatting with you guys once again. It's awesome. 
Uh, we have a bunch to talk about. Let's start off talking about The Stand, CBS All Access, released, initially debuted December 17th, I believe, on CBS All Access. Check it out. See, the names in this show, I mean, the, the, it's, it's a laundry list of names. Uh, the guest starring list is a, has a name that we've interviewed for, J.K. Simmons on there, Ezra Miller, but then the main cast, you're in it. You have uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Whoopi Goldberg, Amber Heard, Greg Kinnear. The list goes on and on. After the world is in ruins due to a man-made plague, a battle of biblical proportions ensues between the survivors on CBS All Access. This was, I believe, finished filming before pan- the pandemic and quarantine, which is kind of crazy to read that and then say that, but let people know what they can get with this show. Well, a whole lot more of 2020, I guess. Um, we, <laughs> Yeah, it was a really eerie feeling uh, wrapping up. We, I finished March 15th, I think, so it was right when it started to get really real um, in, in, uh, in North America. And we started shooting September last year. Obviously, Stephen King wrote the book in 1978, so <clears throat> they did a miniseries in the early 90s, and we were bringing it back for, for a new generation, a new audience, and um yeah we spent six months shooting it and you know it starts with a global pandemic that is tough to ignore that that (laughs) that part of it considering the world we've been living in the last nine months and like longer um but uh but yeah it's that's i mean i guess my my pr people would have trained me to say this is not a movie or a show about a pandemic it's that works as the sort of uh, storytelling mechanism to tell the bigger story about, you know, what happens when there's a reset and what does humanity do and uh, what kind of people do they choose to be, what kind of choices they make and how do they rebuild society. So that's essentially what it's, and then that all boils down to sort of your classic good versus evil thing where you have, you know, the good and the bad and, and who, who wins that battle. But uh, that's a really kind of <laughs> dumbed down version <laughs> of the plot of the good teeth. Yeah. Now, it's a, like I said, it's a very, very big cast, not just the main cast, but the guest starring cast as well. You're really no stranger to casts, whether it be series, shows, movies, with just a large amount of people. When it gets that big, like, what is, what is it like compared to just maybe like a regular show, maybe like a regular run of the mill show, when you have that many people and that many big time names kind of all, and I didn't even mention really half the people in the show. Like, when do you all, all have to come together? To really yeah, nail I mean, and bring it home. Well, look, you 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 know you you want to be surrounded by actors that you respect and love their work, and you know, like you said, it's Whoopi, it's Alexander, it's <clears throat> Odessa Young, it's Greg Kinnear, it's you know, it's Amber, it's you know, so many people that um, that I respect and admire their careers, and you know, it's safety in numbers a little bit too. Like you, you know, you're all kind of holding hands, stepping into this project together, and and you kind of bolster the credibility of the whole thing um, by working with good actors and good filmmakers and good writers as well. So, you know, I guess there's a sense of, um, you know, I'm not in this alone. (laughs) If this this doesn't work, it's not uh, all my fault. And if it does work, you know, we all get to celebrate it together. And, um, you know, yeah, I guess with X-Men and, you know, a bunch of other projects I'm thinking about where this ensemble cast, it's, you know, I guess it's, uh, I don't know. I, um, I feel like, you know, I want to be a part of that club. I want to, I want to, I want to be a part of telling that story. And, you know, I think I, I maybe it's just an accident that I, I'm, I'm in a lot of films and projects with the big casts, but uh, maybe I'm just terrified to do something on my own. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would mean that I would, uh, you know, the career would be over with. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good feeling when you're surrounded by that kind of that level, that caliber of talent. Now, not only that, you mentioned story. It's a story you people want to be a part of, but it's a Stephen King property as you mentioned as well. Um, which I mean, in terms of properties that he has a billion, um, do you have a favorite of yours and what is it like adapting something of Stephen King's as well? Because it's, it's, he's such an iconic person and his, all of his properties have such a recognizable element and touch to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you certainly feel the pressure to get it right. You know, I mean, you, you, although he's the most, um, his presence was, he was never on set. Uh, I don't, I don't think he likes to leave, uh, his Maine, Maine, his house. (laughs) Supposed to disclose that or not, but I think it's common, common knowledge at this point. But, um, but the showrunners were having a constant communication with him you know, daily, and he just was thrilled that it was getting made. And uh, one cool thing about this series is it's a nine-episode limited series, and he wrote the ninth episode, which is not in the book. Mm. So he wrote a coda specifically for our project, which was like just bonkers cool uh, that he was there. Actually, you know, you're you're getting to uh, getting to make this episode that he wrote, you know, just not too not too long ago. So it's a new ending to his book and maybe something that he didn't get a chance to tell before or for whatever his reasons were, we were just excited to do it. Um, but you know, he, he kind of gave us a certain amount of creative license to, you know, look, it's a dense book. It's what 1200 pages or something. And um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on and a lot to digest and it's tough to always squeeze that into nine episodes of, of a show and call it a day. And it was even more challenging for the Mick Garris miniseries in the nineties. But I mean, uh, it, it's, it, I'm really proud of it. I'm, you know, I know that the, the timing is strange because of what we're going through at the moment, but um, again, I think it's, it's a relevant story that needs to be told about, you know, what happens when we just, you know, strip everything of our things that we're comfortable with and we're, you know, sort of shocked into um, survival really. And uh, you know, what do you stand for and you know, what, what do you believe in? And um, so, you know, it's cool to, Stephen's like, he's a legend. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the greatest uh, writers of our time of all time. In my opinion, I grew up, you know, I read his book when I was in my early twenties and, and I read Salem's lot and, and, and Carrie and, and uh, shining all of them. And, and then the movies and TV shows as well. I was really influenced by them growing up and, um, and terrified by them. I, I, he's responsible for several of my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny because like there's such an, a funny connection of just saying X Men because we interviewed Josh Boone who did an X Men movie recently yeah. before he helped develop this show, and it's all tied into Stephen King. But you mentioned that Stephen King had such a big hand in the end of this series, uh, which I believe the last episode drops in like mid February. He. It was in It Chapter 2, I remember, and he actually had a cameo where he made fun of himself a bit, how he personally struggles with ending things in books, and now he gets a chance to like kind of redo an ending, which I think that's got to be thrilling. So like you said, that's got to be really thrilling for him. I mean, you can he, he just seems so enthusiastic about what he does, and, and you know, it's one of the reasons why he's so prolific. I mean, the guy just has never stopped writing. Um, so I think he just, you know, he's... He's just he's just giddy to do it. Loves the genre, and and you know he's got that really sp- specific brand of writing that he does, where it's not just you know gore and shock. It's it's let's get into your psychological <laughs> corners of your mind and really really upset you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I don't know if there's been another project where he actually came in and wrote a new ending to uh, theatrically. I don't know, 
Um, but um, I hope not, so that we can claim that we're the first. <laughs> well, we're excited to watch it, and not even just for your pitch, but uh, also because, like Jeff said, Jeff Bo- or rather Josh Boone was super, super excited to just talk about that. Like we're, we're interviewing from New Mutants, and all we wanted to talk about is like the stand, the stand, the stand. It's so cool. We're so excited for it. Uh, but we also want to talk to you about X Men because our fans are huge fans of the X Men franchise and fans of you as well. Um, you had a quick cameo in Days of Future Past and right. multiverses right now are a huge thing. They're casting everybody now in a Spider-Man 3. Would you ever want to come back as an alternate universe Cyclops in the new MCU X-X-Men? I mean, you'd, you'd be, it, it, I'd be... It'd be hard for me not to. I, I, I would love to, of course. Um, you know, that was a great family of mine for a good six years and, and continues to be, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun being a part of those movies. And, you know, talk about a giant ensemble cast that's, you know, superstars. Um, and that's only two hours. If that, you got to tell everyone's story. And that was the challenge of the first X-Men is, you know, how do we introduce all these characters and, <laughs> and actually still have a plot where there's action and things happening? <clears throat> and it was always, you know, Hughes' front and center show. It was always uh, centered around Wolverine. So, you know, Cyclops and Storm and Jean Grey, you know, didn't get as much of, uh, um, you know, the, the, the spotlight, I guess, as, as, as Hugh's character. That's not me complaining, by the way. You know, it's just saying that this is what I hear from fans. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much backstory. There's so, I mean, this is since 1963, these characters have been I'm getting that right. Fans are going to really be mad if I get that wrong. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll beep it out. We'll censor beep it after if it's wrong. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you really could do a spinoff of, of any one of these characters. And, um, you know, they've done a few already. And and uh, I always felt like, you know, Cyclops, I respected him. He was, um, he was uh, some people could say he's a little bit, you know, too much by the book, a little too much of a Boy Scout. But he's, you know, he's his loyalty and his, uh, you know, his, his sort of... Um, robust sense of morals and, and uh, just made me, it made him a, a, a good guy that you want to have on your side. Maybe not the most exciting guy all the time, but, um, but, uh, but I liked him and, and I would love to come back to that character. It was uh, something I was really proud of to be a part of. And, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how many walls I can be leaping over and, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's roundhouse kicks I can be doing these days, but, uh, but you don't really have to, when you just got to press a button on your visor anyway. So that's the benefit of laser eyes, extreme benefits. The, how do you look back on the story on X-Men two? I, I, I told the director, Brian, I said, Hey, you know, is there any, is there anything we can do to show that, that, you know, these guys also train to be physical. It's like, you know, I'm trying to add a little dimension to the character where he's not just blasting and blasting and blasting. And that's all he does. And Singer said, well, go work out something with the stunt guys and, and come back to me with it and see if we can write it in. So we worked out this whole choreographed thing. And uh, he goes, cool, great. As long as you can work in that someone grabs your hand away from your visor. And that was the, the scene in the plastic prison uh, mm-hmm. where, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a quick little moment. But, uh, but that was because I asked, like, it'd be great to show that he can do more than just this. <laughs> Uh, so that was because I asked and he goes, cool. Yeah. I think that's, that's smart. You know, you don't always, you don't always blast a hole through someone. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I love it. You know, it's the thing that I think when I'm walking down the street, most people recognize me from, and I'm super proud to have been a part of it. And, and, you know, the fans are like as, as, um, as diehard and respectful that the, the, the comic is, it can be. So if they'd want it, then I'd want it. 
They're, I mean, look, they're opening up so much with the new Spider-Man, bringing Tobey Maguire, Brad Pitt, and Andrew Garfield. I mean, everybody is back, and it's all in the MCU now that Disney owns X-Men. I'm just right. – look, my only other thing, though, I think more than that, I do want a a um, Kelsey Grammer, Fraser Crane-style beast, beast spinoff. <laughs> just to, like not even like – he doesn't need to fight any bad guys. Just like they're gonna, they're doing a legal drama for She-Hulk or legal comedy. They're doing – like WandaVision's going to be – like different types of TV, you can do the beast like living in Seattle, like in his apartment. <laughs> With a headset on or the microphone in front of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's another movie of yours we've really very much enjoyed called Sonic the Hedgehog. And this movie had a very interesting production history. For the most of the people listening to this know, but it had a three-month delay while they did a new rendition of Sonic because there was like a fan outcry at the original. Was that the craziest or weirdest pre-release you, you'd have ever had as an actor? I'd never experienced anything like it, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, on a movie like that, it feels like there's three different movies being made at the same time, right? There's the live action stuff. There's the animated stuff. There's the digital effects, you know. <clears throat> there's the voiceover work by Ben. Um, so I, I kind of got to watch from afar this whole thing happening. And, you know, as one of the lead actors of the movie, you'd think that I would be sort of integral and in part of that whole process. You know, you kind of, you show up and do your work on set, and then everything else is that other movie is churning, you know, somewhere else. And I remember they uh, they released a couple of images. I think there were a couple that were leaked that were just like previs stuff with like Chris Pratt mm-hmm. on the yes, <laughs> yes, it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the right. bar, like imagine if it was him, you know. It was, it was like a it was like a painting too. It was yeah, it was like mm-hmm. kind of Chris Pratt, yeah. Right, yeah. So it was just like them just going, you know, this is the kind of guy we're looking for, and maybe it would look like this, you know it's just early artwork for posters and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, that got leaked. And then the biggest one was that, you know, how he was going to look, I think it was the first trailer. was yes. And, mm-hmm. and there was this outcry, as you know, on the internet about, no, this is, look, this is wrong. He looks like a, you know, weird kind of monkey child <laughs> from <laughs> Jumanji or so, you know, it's, he shouldn't have those teeth. He shouldn't have those legs, whatever it was, you know? And I kind of agreed. And I remember texting with, with Ben Schwartz and we were kind of like, I, I, I can't say I disagree with this. You know, his eyes need to be bigger. His needs to be cuter, like the character from the, um, from the game. And, you know, we, we didn't really do much other than just sort of cross our fingers and hope that it would be, you know, it would be addressed. And, and it was, and it was like, it was a kind of monumental moment where, Mm -hmm. you know, the filmmakers and the studio, like, you know, and we weren't far out from releasing this thing and they had a big gamble to make. And it was, do we, do we, do we keep the sort of, you know, way that Hollywood's always done it, which is people don't know what they want. Fans don't know what they want right? You have to tell them, you have to present it to them and they'll either like it or they won't. If you start to be this, like you operate from this flexible place where you're just going to listen to every fan's anything, then it might just get lost in the sauce. It might, you know, who knows what it'll be. Um, but this was so overwhelmingly um, for changing it that I, I, that they were, it was, it was Jeff Fowler first went, we listened, we heard you and we're making adjustments. And, and, a lot of things happened. One, you know, it looked way better after the the fix. We pushed the date a couple of months. They added however many millions of dollars to go in and and, and uh, change all of that, which is a huge gamble. And um, and then it, it instilled this this power in the fans to feel like our voice is getting heard. 
we matter. Uh, they want to cater to us. And so now we're going to have a say on every movie ever made. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a big question too. And I, I'm curious, we, like, I know you've, you've definitely talked about this since then, but we haven't had a chance to ask you personally. Like, do you think that, and we, we talked about this for a while on our pod. Like, I thought it was a good change, but it was incredibly, like, we're big Star Wars fans. We're big Marvel fans. We know how people get. It, yeah. It's a dangerous precedent to set too, right? Because it's like, Damn if you do, damn if you don't. People loved what, and I mean, people really enjoyed Sonic and people look forward to the sequel, but so it worked out. But now, like, you set up a lot of future, especially because so many things are existing properties. Right, yeah. I mean, you start messing with that sort of standard. I mean, I think it's going to just be a la carte. The the studio and the filmmakers are going to, it's not like this sort of like, not everything's painted with a broad brush. So it's not, you know, it's not like everybody's going to do that now. But if there's such an outcry, for please change this. I think people are going to, they're going to listen now. You see, you kind of see it everywhere. The, the, the presence and the power that people have to be able to have their voices heard just over the internet, over social media or whatever is, is, is astoundingly powerful now. Um, but yeah, it sets a, a new, a new precedent. And, you know, I think that, it, that um, it's an example that worked also, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, we did change it and thank God we did because it worked. But I can't say that's going to happen with every film. You know, I mean, at some point you're the artist and you got to go in and make your art. Right. And you got to go in and tell your story and you can't listen to a thousand different voices. But if millions of different voices are saying the same thing, maybe you should, (laughs) which was the case with Sonic. Uh, Disney Investor Day, they announced Enchanted 2. Uh, they announced. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's why literally between last time. Right. They they announced it. Amy Adams is back. Uh, they just announced Dempsey's back as well. Is there anything you can tell us? Is there anything you can tell us? We're a two-time guests. We have the repertoire now. Well, here here's the thing with Enchanted. I, I've been burned so many times before just getting my hopes up that a movie was going to get made that, you know, it's like at this point, you just hear the boy crying wolf. Um, and you're like, okay, that's great. You know, I don't know if it's greenlit yet. I don't know. Um I actually don't know the answer to that question. Uh, so while it does feel like there's a whole lot more traction now, um, and I, you know, I do know that there's a script, um, and it does feel like a lot more possible that it was that it will happen. Um, and uh, I would, I would guess that I'm going to be a part of it. <laughs> That's not me being coy. It's That's, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's. Uh, it's basically me speaking unofficial to you. Uh, uh, <laughs> that would be, uh, but that would be a lot of fun. 13, 14 years later, um, getting a little long in the tooth to be playing Disney characters, you know? No, never, never. <laughs> they just, Patrick Dempsey, the voice, they just brought Patrick Dempsey back on Grey's Anatomy. So if any, anyone could, yeah, he's true. dead, I think, in that show. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, well, bring everybody back. Spoiler alert on Grey's Anatomy, I guess. Sorry to folks out there. Uh, no, I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> it's on commercials. They showed them on the, on the commercials for the show. We all watch ABC. Um, <laughs> we, we like at the end, we like putting people on the spot. We want six movies from you. We want to hear six movie recommendations. Remember this from last time, right? Oh, let's oh, see. Yes, I, 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 not all of them. <laughs> I, think, I think what I said was, boy, my, my recommendations maybe a little old school, <laughs> not really up on the new stuff. Um, if I'm watching TV and any of these movies come on, I have to finish it. That's kind of my 
my measuring stick of my favorite movies. Um, and the ones that I just, you know, I'll, my girlfriend would be like, why are you watching No Country for Old Men again? Um, I said, that was your number one last time. Studying it. Was it my one, number one last time? Yep. I just, I, I just, I watch that movie and I pick up something new every time. And there's not a, there's two moments in the movie where you barely hear a little music and that's it. It's just the Coen brothers have just always been my absolute favorite, favorite. They're, they're masters at what they do and they can, they can jump around to any genre and just knock it out of the park. They're just completely in a league of their own. I actually think Kendrick logged them last time. I think I actually accidentally deleted them earlier, but I, I want to say Jaws was on there too. Jaws. Jaws was, yeah. Jaws was, uh, the Jaws is, I think, you know, if you were to ask me my one movie just that I've seen the most, that, that had the most influence on me my whole life when I was a kid, uh, would be that movie. I, I just, I think it's a perfect film. Um, the music, the, the cinematography, the, the, the acting. Um, it was, it's, it's perfect to me. I know it's, you know, you're kind of, I, I, I got disheartened not too long ago. Well, it was a couple of years ago when my son, who's now almost 20, I, I showed him Jaws when he was like 15 or 16 and he was like, Oh no. When, when's the oh, shark, no. When's the shark coming? <laughs> and I went, no, you have to wait. Like this is all suspense and building up and we're, we're creating the story and to a new generation. It's like the shark didn't come until you don't see it until an hour into the movie, if not longer. And, and then of course, when he does see it, it's like, you know that looks goofy and it just broke my heart uh he didn't ultimately he enjoyed the movie um but but it was you know just that, that is a tough thing. pill to swallow yeah and like <laughs> what okay then let's watch the exorcist you know her head spins around like ha ha that's hilarious no it's <laughs> terrifying but it's the same thing as like you know i grew up with my, my dad going you got to see hush hush sweet charlotte or you know or some like you know the, some like kind of goofy horror film from the 60s where a really bad head rolls down a, the staircase and terrified that generation but to me it was like that's not that scary and so now it's just like oh man you know it's it, it's really it's not a fun game going back and look at the movies that don't hold up anymore and jaws doesn't hold up it absolutely it does it does, does. yes mm-hmm. you also i i i found it you also had big lebowski Godfather yep. one and two, it seems. Yeah. And then what's the last one? Is it is it Boogie Nights? This is Boogie. Oh, Boogie Nights, yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yep. so Paul Thomas Anderson, Coen Brothers, they're my like, you know, I can tell modern heroes. Yep. Uh Lowski, <laughs> I mean, that's another one that was on TV the other day. And I went, I just I gotta gotta sit here and take the ride with him. Um and the Godfather is so on the nose, but it is another one that if it's if it's on I just, you know, it, it's another one that's just in a, in a league of its own and, and it's revered obviously as the greatest movie from AFI or whatever of all time, that one and the second one. Um, but I just, you watch it and it's just like a painting, you know, it's, it's like staring at an oil painting from 600 years old and you just, and you just get engrossed in it. Um, it's another bit of perfect cinema in my opinion. Um, so I know those are kind of on the nose, but, uh, I'm a creature of habit. When I find something that I really like, I just end up watching that movie over and over again. 
you know, and I, and I'm not, and you named pretty great ones. It's not like you named yeah, some are, like dumpster, like bottom of the barrel Walmart movie. Yeah. Like the fact that the Coen brothers can make Lebowski and raising Arizona and, and like blood simple. And then, Oh, blood country. Another one. I think I mentioned at the time that, um, yes, you go back and they had, you know, you know, 50 bucks to make that movie. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it was how, see, this is proof that you don't have to have a giant budget. Yeah. to really tell a compelling visual story. And, and <clears throat> I love Blood Simple. Um, but then to, you know, you can do, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Those filmmakers can make, can make No Country for Old Men. I just, you know, I, I, uh, I actually ran into, I was on a flight, this is pre-pandemic, with Guillermo del Toro. And he was, I walked past him and he was watching um, No Country. And I said, mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorites. And he said the exact same thing. He goes, I watch it almost weekly. That's incredible, uh, uh, and and I just study it. I study it scene by scene. Um, so so now you can tell that I stole that line from him. I study it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, fantasy mind of Guillermo del Toro being influenced by No Country for Old Men is incredible to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's terrific filmmaking, and I hope that that all continues. I mean, I know the Coen brothers aren't actually making films together anymore, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just hope the theaters don't, you know, I, I don't think they're going away. I hope that, uh, you know, there's going to be, I think when we come out of this, that people are just going to be dancing in the streets and wanting to go back to doing everything that they loved before. And I, I hope that, I know it's going to change and evolve in this whole Warner Brothers thing. Um, but I still think that people are going to, they're going to go to that sort of community experience where you, you witness something and you share something together in, in a dark room. And there's something really special about that. And, and I, I think that uh, I think we'll be coming back strong once this is all stabilized. Well, you're talking to uh, theater. We, we love going to movie theaters, so we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully other people will be. It's an event. It, 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 it makes it more of an event. Um, you hearing the gasps and the laughs of people around you and, you know, and you're just looking at this giant, you know, 70, whatever, 70 foot screen. And um, it's just a different thing. I mean, I know we got our, all our home studio, our like home video, home theaters and stuff and, and streaming and all of that. But I just hope that we all get back to doing things together. And, and, and you know, I, I just, I remember how special it was going to the movie theaters when I was growing up. I know I sound like I'm 150 years old now when I say that. But um, I mean, we agree. No, it's, yeah. No, yeah. you're, you're talking to the well, right people like, right now. My kids are interested in going back. So that gives me hope. You know, they're the barometer now for the future, right? So anything, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, are these pants cool? No. Okay, cool. Throw them out. You know, <laughs> uh, do you think people are going to go to movies again? Yeah, I'm ready to go to a movie again. Okay, that, that gives me hope, you know. Um, you're not getting that popcorn I anywhere else. I get on TikTok. No. <laughs> 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 but uh but it gives me hope that my kids are actually you know missing going to the theater and having that experience so well, well the thing we talked about at the beginning here the stand that's on cbs all access not in the theaters but you can watch that now on cbs all access runs through february i hope we can talk to you again we did not get our head of talent communications kelly who helped set up all of our interviews i promised her we'd talk about dead to me we didn't so she may never let us talk to you again but i hope we can um we'll talk maybe for the next time, time. We'll, we'll do it third time. Third time's a charm. And I know you guys will love that. Tell, tell the, <laughs> tell the Gary and Gloria Sanchez people to put you in succession too. We, we, we Oh yeah. Succession's great. Yeah. No. Toss Just, you in that. Al Baum's a good friend of mine who is obviously producing dead to me and, um, works for, uh, 
all the Gary Sanchez stuff. And we did this movie Bachelorette back in the day and we just got to be friends since. So yeah, maybe I'll see if I can make that happen. Well, uh, we'll, we'll shelve that talk for next time. Thank you so much for doing this. Happy yeah. holidays, happy new year. And uh, good luck with that show, buddy. Yeah. Anytime you can stop on by. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good to see you guys again. We'll, we'll keep, you know, keep uh, waving that. Let's make a Cyclops. Uh, uh, directed we, by you too. I, yeah, we fun. take full credit for J.K. Simmons being back in Spider-Man, so we will absolutely yeah, that was us. wave the flag. All right, yeah. well then, you guys are the architects of this. I'll blame it on you if it doesn't happen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right, easy, See guys. you later. Thanks again so much. All right, thanks to James Marsden and for doing the interview twice. Mm-hmm. King, I don't know many others that would do that. Appreciate yeah. you. That makes him a, a recurring guest. Uh, all right, Soul. Let's talk about soul. I don't like saying it like that. It makes it sound like I'm like leaning into a song. Um, a new movie from Pixar and Disney uh, was their probably most hyped movie of the year uh, in terms of quality. Onward had the star-studded cast. Not that this one doesn't, but Onward probably had like it had more like the star lineup that they promoted. Where this one, this this they promoted what felt more like an Academy Awards type push. Um, this is kind of the deeper movie. Not that Onward wasn't Onward, it was tear-jerking for some people, but Soul had a, had a different vibe to the promotion. Uh, straight to Disney Plus for no fee, debuted on Christmas, it skipped theaters, it was supposed to come out I think early in the summer, then in the fall, uh, from director Pete Docter. Pete Docter also did Inside Out, uh, which is notable because they do share a lot of similarities in terms of style. Uh, he also directed Up, uh, he was a writer on Wally, a writer on Monsters, Inc., writer on Toy Story 2, writer on toy story he had roles in almost all of the other pete doctors is is a pretty good touch let's put it that way with with pixar movies he's if if he's involved which he's involved in almost all of them been pretty damn good especially when he's involved at like the writer director level uh again he's done some of the best ones soul it's about joe played by a voice by jamie fox uh, Joe Gardner, a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected. His true passion is jazz, and he's good. But when he travels to another realm after falling to his death uh, to help, which they do in a funnier way, and that sounds very more, but they definitely, it's like the funniest Pixar death in a sense, which is weird to say. To help someone find their passion, he soon discovers what it means to have a soul. Uh, the person he's helping try to find their passion and their meaning, uh, or I guess kind of not really meaning, but again, their passion in life, their calling. Spark. Sense. Spark mm-hmm. uh, is a character named 22 and it's voiced by Tina Fey, which there was a time where it didn't sound like Tina Fey. Like it sounded like a, like a, like a teenager, um, but still some Tina Fey in there. David Diggs, the character uh, he voices in the movie, Richard Iode, Iode, I forget how you say his name. I think believe that's it. Uh, Foshi Rashad's uh, voicing someone in the movie quest love as well. Uh, it is not a music movie, which I think, I don't want to call it false advertising because I wasn't like, oh, what the hell? But I think when you saw the initial trailers for this movie, you assumed this was a music movie. This was like a jazz Pixar movie. There really isn't that much music in this movie. Music is a, a large part of the plot and the story, but there's not a lot of playing of music. Now, on top of that, the score for the movie is pretty awesome. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, who is typically the music uh, duo used by David Fincher, just used him in Meg. Social Network comes to mind. Uh, he did, uh, they did the music for the movie. So there is great m- music in the movie, but it's not a movie. It's not like uh, Coco, for example, where Coco, there was a ton of music throughout. Uh, I thought this was pretty damn good. Um, is it top five Pixar? 
know, but to say that isn't like a, a dig at the movie, that still means it's pretty damn good. It's a top five movie of the year for me. I gave it a 92 out of 100. I thought it was excellent. I thought it nailed its message. Um, it is also, and we'll get into this, it's the least kid Pixar movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And now I, I said this on Twitter, and I think some people may have taken it the wrong way. People had said they're like, like, oh, but you kind of get that with like uh, Coco, or you kind of get that with Inside Out. No, they're all Pixar movies have an adult theme to them. Like they all have things that adults can pick up on. They've been as much Cars, but we'll leave Cars out of this. <laughs> uh, though Cars has it as well, just maybe to a lesser extent. Uh, it, but like, I actually don't think there's there's almost nothing here. <laughs> I think that a younger kid would connect to. Like there might be, and maybe I'm not seeing it. And if you have kids and you're listening to this, let us know. Like, I'm very curious how kids will react to this because I think this is the least kid friendly is not the right work. It sounds like kids won't enjoy it, but like Like easy to digest for a kid. And I think I've gotten a lot of complaints about that too. Just like people just saying like, I really liked it, but my kid didn't totally track along. So I think you're, you're on to something there for sure. It's not, you're right. I don't think it's as digestible for kids, which is not a knock on it. It's, it's really good. And I thought the message hit very hard, especially you're, you know, you're coming in this, this 10 months of people for the most part living at home, probably going through a lot. I mean, I think everyone can relate going through some depression or questioning of what they're doing with their life. Like it, it kind of hit it at, at a crazy time, which was not the intention. The movie was made before all of this happened. Um, but I think it came at a, at a, at a great time, but also one that will resonate beyond just this year. It's not just because it came out this year, just kind of crazy to think about, but I'll let you go next. Ken Jack. I, I, I loved it. Um, I thought this was, was of, and I, and I liked onward, but onward didn't have that Pixar. It just didn't have that touch. This had kind of that, that spark. It wasn't perfect Pixar, but it was damn good. And it, it, it carved out a lane. The best Pixar movies carve out a lane that the others haven't. Uh, and this, I think, I think this one did. So 92 out of hundred for me. So uh, I think that I had a reasonable idea uh, of like what soul was all about before going into it, just based off the trailers and the synopsis and all that stuff. I, I don't think that it was the movie that I expected, but it's a movie that I really liked. And it, and it was very thoughtful. It hit some familiar notes while also offering some, like you said, like kind of kind of blazed its own path. It was kind of unique, and it gave you the Pixar feeling that you wanted at the end, despite maybe being the least Pixar movie I've personally ever seen, in my opinion. And just to break it into the components from a voice acting standpoint, I think Jamie Foxx really delivered and gave a lot of life to the character Joe. And but I didn't totally love tina fey and part of it maybe because i didn't really recognize her as her own voice like you were saying like it didn't really just sound like her too much um but the jerry's terry and moonwind were great especially moonwind which was graham norton graham newton listen right now movie studios that is the tv host to put in movies not james corden (laughs) put graham norton into more movies because he is fantastic and so likable in all of these things um, so they were great. Uh, I think from a technical standpoint, I, I really, really enjoyed how the movie looked. The depiction of the great before was like, you know, familiar because it looks like texturally similar to Inside Out, obviously same director, mm-hmm. um, but also different in how like the environment was presented. And, you know, like, I, I don't know for sure, like I, because I'm not a kid and don't have a kid, but I think that that childish and more simple look makes the concept, which is like inherently a little more complex and dark and more adult, maybe a little easier to, to comprehend and digest for a younger audience. And, you know, while the world is great, like the, 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 the 
more metaphysical world, whatever you want to call it. I also think New York, like in this movie, looked fucking awesome. It reminded me a lot of if Beale Street could talk with like uh, the super saturated fall colors that like bring into like the fairy tale version of New York. Obviously, not the real New York, which is shitty, gross, disgusting, nasty. But their their version of fairy tale New York was fantastic looking. It was beautiful. Um, I just the only complaint I have about it is that I wish more care was put into the character of Twenty Two because she was basically the co-pilot of this plot and i just don't feel like she got fleshed out correctly or just not enough and that's really my only big complaint because other than that i think it's it's beautiful and i think it's just it it, it's in the for me i'll use an anime term instead of the top five pixar i'll say it's an it's not an s-class pixar here movie it's an a-class pixar movie it leaves you sort of feeling this stuff you're feeling some stuff anyway that like you're not used to with Pixar. Melancholy, I think, is the word I saw thrown around more than anything else. Um, it definitely makes you feel that, but it also makes you feel some things that you, you're used to with Pixar and stuff that you're looking for when you walk into with a Pixar movie. And I, I do think it had that touch that like a movie like Onward or even R.I.P. to the Good Dinosaur, but I'm different. Uh, that didn't leave you feeling either. So overall, very, very good movie. I gave it a 91 out of 100. 91. Coley, you... Most of your famous comments in the show involve Pixar movies and the serious ones. I think this falls in the more serious bracket, but not that you dislike all the serious ones. Where, what do you feel about this movie? I think this movie and both of you have kind of already brought up similar points is a little snake bitten by its predecessors the whole time. Like it does feel like inside out. It does feel like Coco. And like, I, I kind of disagree with the trailblazer uh, part from uh, point from Jeff, but in the same time, I feel like this is the first time they've really done humans correctly. Like they've humanized everything from inanimate <laughs> objects, mm-hmm. but they kind of fucking stink at doing humans and they didn't stink at doing humans this time around. Uh, but I think the reason, at least for me, Ken Jack, it didn't sound like Tina Fey was because I kept expecting to hear Amy Poehler's voice coming out. (laughs) It seemed like an Amy Poehler role was waiting, yeah. Right, because that's inside out. Like, it felt like that the whole time. And I get it. I don't think it is a knock on this movie. And I think probably on the second rewatch, I'll be able to shed that. But the first time through, it definitely felt like I kept waiting for Bing Bong to pop up out of nowhere, you know, like something like that. But as for, we've talked about it before, like when Pixar shows up, they always, it always is like, all right, what's the thing they figured out? What's the new thing for me watching this? It felt like they just figured out New York. Finally, they were like, here it is. We got it. We finally cracked New York, Uh, which I don't even necessarily think is a bad thing because it looked incredible just incredible I, I paused when they go into the subway i actually stopped it on my first watch and rewound it i was like this looks this looks like crazy insane awesome. insane mm-hmm. and they like they didn't try and make it like this clandestine like beautiful new york like they showed you the fucking shitty subway and <laughs> drinking or i could spoilers can i do spoilers here no oh yeah, yeah we're in this mm-hmm. okay 
uh, him drinking the fucking half uh, finished Slurpee like that they found under the seat, <laughs> like just eating pizza seemingly off the ground. I think I looked away for a half second and then he was eating pizza. So that confused me. Um, the Freaky Friday thing that they did, like kind of saw that coming as they were plummeting towards Earth. <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's fine. Like, I think that's where. Like, I'm sure little if you watch that in a theater full of little kids in a normal world, like they would start dying laughing that he was the cat and she was inside him like that. That will always play for the rest of time, especially the first time you ever see it. Um, But, yeah, I do think especially the year like I was excited about this movie because I do feel lied to. I did think it was going to have more like I love. I'm not sitting here listening to Miles Davis every day, but I do appreciate and enjoy jazz when I hear it. So when I heard that they were doing a jazz Pixar movie, I was like, oh, oh shit. And then it was barely in this movie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) barely. So I do feel a little betrayed and lied to there. But for the year that this hit in for the message, like the, the beauty isn't always the end game, but it's the journey to get there. Like I thought that was like truly beautiful. And that really boosted the movie for like just the everyday stuff you overlook uh, that we take for granted and has been taken from a lot of us. So I thought that was extremely powerful, whether they meant it to be as powerful. Of course they did. It's fucking Pixar. Yes. Um, yeah. I would love for the ultimate Pixar curveball to be like, just funny the whole time you know because when you go into a pixar movie you're like boy i know i'm gonna cry my fucking dick and balls off at this (laughs) at one time if they just don't do that that's gonna be end up being like a top three for me but they can't help themselves uh i probably i go a little lower than you guys i'd probably give this 86 like still really good uh Certainly not that S tier Pixar that we all love, but very, very good. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. This movie, it did something. And I think there are people who probably could have shed some tears at this, but I, this one almost went like a lot of Pixar movies will drag you down then to probably where this one just kind of, yeah, it had like its down moments, I guess. But this one, I think it tried to boost happiness from the outset. Like it, it didn't try to really break you and then give you like the good feelings and good vibes. Like it, it, it tried to kind of, I think almost slowly ease you along and yeah, have some downer moments, but like, that's why I kind of said it was like the, it was the more most comedic death maybe in Pixar. Cause the most negative thing that happens to him really is him dying, but they kind of breeze through that in a funny way. And I, I, I felt that as more of an intention and kind of a different route that they took. Like they wanted to make that not like the point, the point was kind of like feeling like the, don't take, you know, take the right things for, you know, take a pre, make a, like appreciate the, the proper things in life, I guess. And to like, take a step back and, and look at like the things that you are making an impact on and what's important and all that. You could feel like you could slowly, it wasn't like a very, it wasn't very hidden, right? Like, like you mentioned, like a lot of the things you can kind of see coming, like you sent pretty quickly too, like his, 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 his spark, like what do you, it's, it's teaching, right? It's like, it's, it's it's impacting others and you can kind of sense that and and i've seen some people say like it kind of felt predictable but i i think that it was intentionally done that way like there there was a different route taken with this um whether it worked for everyone or not i don't know 
Um, but it, it did feel like that they, they, they went about it a different way. I will note, I want to backtrack very briefly. The character that Tina Fey's 22 reminded me most of was, was Vanellope from Wreck-It Ralph. Mm. That was yeah, the only more vibes of that for sure. I, I couldn't get that out of my head, which that didn't ruin it for me. But I, I was like, I just, this just feels like Vanellope from, from Wreck-It Ralph. I think that'd be my big complaint too. Or my, my, I guess my main complaint, my main issue as to why it's not like perfect level Pixar, which anything 95 or above for me is essentially perfect at that point. Um, is, is I do think 22 could have like 20, a lot of 22 felt like the character was, was there for a lot of the jokes too, which were hilarious. Like every time they went back to a different historical person, that was um, good. Really I good. mean, and we'll, we will talk about the joke everyone's discussing in a second, but like every time like Abe Lincoln and Mother Teresa, like all of those are, were very funny, but it almost felt like that was too much of a basis for the character where right? you're right. I think maybe fleshing it a little more might've added some of that weight to it. But again, I don't know if the intention was to not do that either. I think like the more I'm reflecting on the movie, like 22 and Joe, his name is Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, it was just a reflection of him because he didn't know like the whole time she's looking for her purpose and her spark. And he lived his whole life thinking his purpose and spark was music, but he was fucking wrong. Like he was just completely off. It was the teaching. It was the, the journey, the, the helping everyone else understand his passion. And she toiled. Like, I think she was just there to be his foil. Like she, I don't think she needed all that depth because it was, she was just his reflection. And that's why she didn't, learn her own spark and earn that last merit badge, whatever the fuck it was until she was literally living inside his body, walking, walking literal miles in his shoes. Uh, Like they went out of their way to say that. So like that, it does seem like he just met the unborn version of like the blank palette uh, Mm -hmm. version of, excuse me, blank canvas version of himself and got to almost, and they literally give him a rebirth at the end. Like it couldn't mm-hmm. have been like the comedic uh, uh, relief for me was uh, the Picasso faces, the the Terry and what was the other one? Terry and Jerry's. Jerry's, yeah. Ter- I mean, Terry, Which I, I kept thinking it was Ricky Gervais the whole time. I was like, this has to be Ricky. <laughs> and it just print. never was. It just <laughs> was never once Ricky. But I mean, he, <laughs> them being like, we got Terry to agree, and they just did the look over there and moved his abacus. Like, that killed me. That kind of simple humor kills me every time. Mm-hmm. I, I think that something I really liked about this movie was the the very clear definition between, or sort of separation between purpose and spark. And, like, there obviously that's a very clear point that they emphasize really hammer home towards the end of it. Like, Joe obviously thinks that, like, music is his reason for being alive. That's the only reason he's alive to do that. And even, like, in the beginning, you can even sense it's not necessarily true because he has his impact on Curly. He helps Curly become a musician. He, he helps him become what he is. He helps Connie, like, not be embarrassed to want to play jazz and express herself and do what she wants. And he's impacting all these, these people so positively, but he still thinks that his life is unfulfilled because he's not doing this one thing. And, like, I think that that definition was a very, very cool thing for them to kind of hammer home. Cause I don't, I'm not sure I could think of a movie in recent memory. That's kind of went after, uh, I would say that distinction. And I really enjoyed, especially the ending of this because it just ends on that one note of her saying, well, what are you going to do when you get back? And he goes, I don't know, but I'm going to live. And like that to me is such a fucking great closeout line mm-hmm. for a movie and the cut to black of him stepping out and just breathing in the air. 
like that. Oh, that was a great fucking ending, man. They it's, nailed that again. There's just there's there's a there's a very different, softer, thoughtful touch, and I do think that, like you you just got the sense of how intentional it was, and I think maybe like they pulled back a bit, and they were like, maybe we don't make, like the overlay gut punch, just like in your face, like rip your heartstrings. Because again, I could totally see like tearing up with this because there were some emotional parts, but it just it, it felt like again, which I don't know, and I really appreciated that creative direction. Them, it just felt like. There was, there was a softer tone in which they wanted to drive home their message that was kind of easier to take in, um, but kind of uplift you a bit. I, I do agree that Terry's and Jerry's, I were just, man, I don't know. I don't know what, like, I don't know if, that's, if you want to call that ASMR, but something about the flipping through all the names and the folders. Mm-hmm. That, just, that was soothing. Very visually appealing, this movie. Yes. It is like, oh, it's like yeah. therapy watching this thing. Him zipping around like when he's the crosswalk guy and all that, like just very well done. Um, fuck, what was I about to say? Oh yeah, Joe was kind of a selfish dick. Yeah, <laughs> like oh yeah, he was so self-centered. He was just like, no, I need to go back to do this, and they just tell him to slow down. But you're right, most Pixar movies, like when that that last cry comes, like it really does feel like they're just squeezing your heart. And making you feel like a pain that you didn't need to feel like the first fucking five minutes of up Um, this though, when he lines up all like the bagel and the, the pizza crust and the, I don't even know what they call that part of a tree. Is that just like an unborn leaf? Like, what is that thing? It was just like a seed. Yeah. The thing, the seed, the tree seed that spins down. Like when he lines all those things up and he just starts reflecting on life as a whole, that was, it's just extremely emotional. Like, I don't know how, like I welled up. I wasn't like sobbing or bawling like I do at like finding Nemo or some shit like that, but it was definitely extremely emotional on that when he's just, when he figures it out and he's just like, Oh yeah, I've had a great life. Like I wasn't sad. Like she made fun, but yeah, that Vanellope would have crushed that scene where they go into the hall of everything. Mm -hmm. Like that was perfectly Vanellope. Oh yeah. Big time. There's a lot of good jokes in this. Why did they have Marie Antoinette as a mentor? What the fuck, man? Like, one of the most vain <laughs> human beings ever head, lived. I think it was just, just the, the floating head joke. Head joke. Yeah. The floating head joke was good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, the Nick Lincoln joke. one was great. Oh, like yeah, <laughs> Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> like kids won't get like. Not that it's like super adult, but a kid's just like I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nick's joke was very funny. Definitely. And it in I I think there's in how on the nose the Knicks joke was to have it was it was Doris Burke, I believe, saying like like missed and the Knicks just it was so on the nose like the Knicks lose again. It just it mm-hmm. was if if you make it more of like a background thing, it's like not you're like, ah, oh, whatever, it's a shot at the Knicks. The one of the people who made the movie is a lifelong Knicks fan. He he tweeted about it and I think his tweet went like semi viral yesterday. He's like so I had to do that. Like it just, yeah. they've pained me for so many years. I had to take a shot at them. And his name it, is Kemp Powers, which is an incredible name. Oh, it no, is. That's great name. 
And he said, for all those asking, yes, I'm responsible for the Knicks joke in Seoul. I'm a diehard, <laughs> lifelong Knicks fan. Despite their enormous payroll, the last time they won a championship was 73. The year I was born, I think I earned the right to make that joke. <laughs> Again, it just how it, it was a funny joke to begin with but how on the nose they made it was it, it made it even funnier and again the the, the i want to add that too the comedic timing was very well done in this movie because they could have definitely overdone it but like it's kind of impressive they had so many of those like it, it was almost like it was family guy-esque honestly it had a lot of like like this like, is like that one time it? uh digressions almost like it's yeah. like little digressions from whatever yeah. it was they they worked they they you never got tired of them. It was like the perfect amount. They came at the right time. They cut in the story again. Like I I was most impressed at what they did with this, and, and I think they 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 took a direction that was very familiar, but they did it in a different way. In terms of the familiar part being like the type of message, but they did it in in a in a different way, and it was presented with more of a. a how did my dog just get in this room? All the doors were shut. That's insane. <laughs> I'm just floored right now. That's she got thoughts my, on the movie. That blew my mind. Um, yeah, it, it it was I I having to watch I watch Midnight Sky, Wonder Woman, then you watch this, you're like, this was nice. This was a good way to end three of them. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that. Because <laughs> 22 gets guided by Saddam Hussein in the afterlife. <laughs> what was the joke that caused a stir? No, I was saying the Knicks joke. That's the one that everyone was talking about. Oh, yeah, I thought it's you meant like a negative discussion. way. Oh, no, no, no. The gotcha. Knicks joke was the gotcha. one that I think people most... And it's... Yeah, the... Um, I, I also like, too, and we had a lot of people... Most people, most of our fans and our audience liked it. I think the, the lowest I saw was somebody said like high 70s. But most... I think the average, and actually our average score is, is a 91 on this. But I think like the floor on this seems to be mid eighties. Like even people who don't think it's great still liked it a lot. Um, but, but it, it, it definitely, it, it definitely worked for most people. And I, it seems as though everyone again, again, really enjoyed it. But the, the one kind of thing at the end I want to throw out is I, I liked the more ambiguous ending. I think they, they could, you want to talk about boring and dragging movies on. We'll talk about Wonder Woman 1984 midnight sky later in the week. If, if they would have, really try to explain what happened to 22 and like where she like that mm-hmm. really would have lost touch of the movie too. I thought they ended at the perfect time too. Yep. That cut, away, kind of they cut to black. It's beautiful. It is, but they also kind of, if they do ever want to go back into the soul universe, yes. they kind of set themselves up perfectly because she could mm-hmm. be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they showed her flying. She was in a beeline for China. She was like, on oh, no, that, that was a laser beam. Straight into the Chinese countryside, dude. I saw it. I thought they were gonna show like a like a post credit where it's like her being born or something, but no, nothing. I think my my only complaint is that I I think beyond the the twenty two not being totally fleshed out, I think if I was a kid, I would not like this movie very much because it would not conceptually make a ton of sense to me. And I think number two, the fingers were a little too long. Everyone's fingers were just like <laughs> yeah. they were like a half inch too long for, for my taste. It was like Yana's fingers on everybody. And uh, other than that, humans done beautifully. Man, the hair, the hair is like, oh, it's like Incredibles too, almost like, you know, for the fibers and shit, everyone's hair has that level of detail. They literally went out of their way to show you how well they've done hair with like that close up haircut scene. Yes. So yeah, they, they were flexing on that. But I mean, the fingers thing, like you're talking about musicians, like, yeah, you can't have stubby fingers and be a musician. Like it just doesn't work. 
<laughs> Big fat like Tony Soprano fingers, just trying to play yeah. piano. Yeah. It, it it was funny watching this actually after we watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom too. By the way, because there were like in terms of the jazz stuff, there were like a couple similarities in terms of the characters and like how they reacted and talked to each other. And even Joe kind of, in a sense now Joe didn't go through the hardship that Chevik Boseman's character went through, but there was just, there were, it was kind of funny going back to back with these movies um, because there are two movies based obviously so much, so heavily in jazz, though very different movies. Um, this one though, much like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom will absolutely get some Oscar love. And I, I think it, I think it deserves at least a look for, for best picture look at the year we've had like there have been some good movies but there have been that many good movies like this this absolutely is up there i think i i I think this just deserves less maybe compared to like the cocos of the world in terms of the most recent pixar stuff like maybe not or inside out um ratatouille but like i guess ratatouille just bump back like 15 years but you get my point like i'm not sure up against those maybe you qualify but if we talk about this year i think soul is more than deserving of a look Big time, especially like the. I'm even just thinking of like the main big players for this year. It would absolutely blow away. I would assume a lot of the best picture nominees that are going to come out. If you're looking for a troll, uh, like Twitter post, like you talk about a movie built to have the number two put in the title for a sequel, Ratatouille. Oh yeah, off a fake poster for that. Damn, that's so true. Never really thought about that. Ratatouille, which. Yeah, Rada and then the, the second it's just two E's. Two. Yeah. Yeah, like Banjo. Uh, two E's. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this comes in at 92 out of 100 for me. Again, audience 91, Ken Jack 91, Coley 86, I believe you said, correct? Yeah, I think this might be more rewatchable than Inside Out because Inside Out's fucking heavy and crushing. <laughs> yeah, it just, is. Mm. Yeah. No, you're right. This is like an this autumn is. day. <laughs> This 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 is this and actually I'm definitely gonna rewatch it this week. There was enough like jokes that I kind of want to go back through that they were, man. E- even like oh uh, like like all like the mentors like how they looked. It, it was visually incredibly appealing too. It's a it's a great movie just to look at. Um, but yeah, a, 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 a change of pace from Pixar, but without them, because like Onward felt like a change of pace, but it felt like they really lost a lot of like what they were. Even though I enjoyed that movie, but this felt like a change of pace but they didn't lose their touch like they just happened to do it a different way uh, onward was like a little too dreamworksy for my taste this is very much pixar <laughs> yes. yeah yeah well, do you say that because of how it looked like just how it looked i don't know if it's this that or just the the plot i don't know it just didn't feel very pixar to me still it, it felt very um, much like a dreamworks made movie onward i mean onward destroyed me so i don't i like the, the see the core, I think it just needed a different setting because the core message of it was very cool. And as someone with brothers, like it resonated very heavily there for me. But like, still, I, I just think the way everything came together just did not feel like a Pixar movie, which isn't a knock against its individually, like individually as a movie. I think I still have it like high 70s or something like that. But still, man, wish I just had a different spot or different execution. Falls in at number 12 for me on the Pixar scale. Number 12 for me to pick. And actually, let's movie rankings down. I can tell you where it falls in with Ken Jack. This would fall in number six for Ken Jack. Um, yeah, Soul, good movie. Later in the week, two not good movies. Be prepared the for that Sky one. Midnight Sky and Wonder Woman 1984. A lot to talk about on both of them. A lot, a lot to talk about. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be a fairly 
that's more of a DC discussion, I think. Yes. I think it's very easy to, to talk about what is the reason why that movie didn't work for most people. Midnight Sky, I, I'm still blown away by that movie. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Could not. There's, there's, a, there's a, a choice in that movie they make with a younger version of George Clooney's character. That absolutely <laughs> incredible. Will, it will fuck you up. It, when you watch a movie, you, it just, I've, almost everyone I've seen who watched the movie points it out. They're like, what happened with that? It was bizarre. Um, okay, best bracket. Best bracket. Bracket. I think it's the eighth or ninth time we've done this. Drill Ballin's not here tonight. He did send us. He did send us a bracket. It's about what you would expect from Trill. It is the best rejected names for Baby Yoda. Best rejected names for Baby Yoda. We're going to work our way through the bracket. So not Grogu. In the first matchup. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be tough to get through. Um, In the first matchup, Jorgu. Jorgu. I don't think these are seeded. How did he spell it? Uh, J. O R G U. Jorgu. It sounds like like when you jerk off using Jorgens, like something you'd find in Urban Dictionary. Well, he would be a little more on the nose, I think, because Jorgu is facing off with Titty Freak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know I'm voting Titty Freak. Not even a question. Apologies to Jorgu, but he, I mean, sometimes you just get matched up with a one seed and get blown fucking, out of the fucking water. A fucking monster out of the gate, <laughs> titty freak. <laughs> uh, that that's that's a uh, actual Baby Yoda's uh, Juggalo name. <laughs> is that is that a clean sweep? Tell me this is a clean sweep, please. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a fairly there's a fairly clear theme here with these matchups. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a three, no, no need for discussion. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, Jorgu bounced as the one seed. <laughs> uh, the two seed, or excuse me, the four seed, uh, Blorda, Blorda, B, 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 L, O, R, D, A, Blorda. Uh, going up against the other rejected name, got to imagine this is going to win a G spot missile. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very fictional debates vibe to it. Um, G spot missile. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it's almost it's close. Grogu spot missile. That's the actual G spot. Florida <laughs> versus G spot missile. That's a clean sweep for me. I think. I think I'm going with Blorda. Yeah, I'm going Blorda. I'm going Blorda. I, I think Blorda is the better one. Huh. Um, uh, the next the next matchup is the three versus six. The three seed is Wargo. W A R G O. Wargo. That's the worst kind he, of meat. I don't know Japanese if he had cow. more fun making <laughs> making the serious ones. Actually, which ones are the serious ones? Which ones are the the comedic ones? Some might say, uh, Wargo against <laughs> the six seed Womb Cannon. <laughs> Womb Cannon is too close to G Spot Miss. I'm going Wargo here. No, for me, it's a clear Womb Cannon. <laughs> um, 
And then the last matchup in the in the first. Wait, Jeff, which one did you vote on there first? I have to I have to go womb, womb cannon. When I read this earlier, <laughs> was the one I laughed at the hardest. I'm, I can't I can't lie. Uh, and then the two seed is Jargo, obviously spelled J A R G O. Obviously, <laughs> against the seven seed Captain Thigh Shivers. <laughs> Oh, man, I really like that one. Yeah, easy thigh shivers for me. <laughs> I mean, the, the that's such a complex name. That would have been incredible. <laughs> if, oh if, like, I haven't watched this season yet. If they introduce, like, how did they un- reveal his actual name? It's just Ahsoka just saying, like, yeah, this name is Grogu. That's yeah, she, name, she kind of references it just like, oh, Grogu. And he's like, what? They speak with like the force since you can't use language. So if with the force, he was like, I oh, yes, Captain Thigh Ship. <laughs> this is what if I uh <laughs> this is titty freak, sir. Yeah. She walks away in her head, she's like, I actually don't know if he said Grogu. Now I'm th- she's like, now that I think about it. <laughs> um, all right, so rejected baby Yoda names. You all sent it. in by Trill. Uh, you have the next round. I have them written too. Yeah, second round matchup uh, is the six seed Titty Freak against the four seed Bavorda. I'll, I'll be upset if you guys don't vote for Titty Freak. <laughs> I mean, it's just this. This seems inevitable. I kind of like Blorda. You're voting Blorda. I am. I think the other two are stronger than Titty Freak. Yeah. I, I don't think Blorda has a chance. I like Titty Titty Freak got through because that was the first ridiculous one we heard. Uh, <laughs> it's still my favorite. Of, it's very funny. Definitely very funny. But Blorda absolutely sounds like a name that would get through in like an actual pitch meeting. I I got to move. I, I got to move. I have to agree. I, I don't think I think Blorda is the better one, but I don't think Blorda stands a chance in the finals. Fair. So are you going with Titty Freak or? I'm going Blorda. I mean, Titty Freak's also going to lose, so I think Blorda has to advance here. Yeah, I think this this match, this is the de facto championship. Yeah, it's like when the Colts used to play the Patriots, uh, yeah. like Peyton versus Brady. Like, this was the real Super Bowl. It just yeah. happens around before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, and then the, the next matchup is the six seed versus seven seed Womb Cannon versus Captain Thigh Shivers. <laughs> He's a troop. He's a captain. <laughs> would he wear a, would, would he wear a cool coat because he's a captain? Like wear a hat for sure, like an yeah. admiral's hat. Even though he's a captain, like Captain Crunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I picture him as dressed as Captain Crunch. <laughs> so he's captaining his tongue into lady orgasms. I've got. I mean, this is womb cannon in, in a clean four for me. Captain Thigh Shivers versus Womb Cannon. I'll go with you. Go first. I would. I would argue. So I don't. I'm not going to make it interesting. I, I. I think if you told me there was a Star Wars named Womb Cannon, I'd be like, yeah. Of course there is. <laughs> like, yeah, I believe that. Like, I actually, I actually like not. No joke. Like, if I pull up this, if I pull up the side, the Max Rebo band, I bet there's some <laughs> names in there that sound like that. 
There's definitely someone named Captain Thigh. Maybe not Captain Thigh, Shivers. Trust. Hmm. He's, He's a troop. I'll vote for him. I'll dissent. You'll vote for, for Captain Shivers. So the, the final is Womb Cannon versus Blorda. <laughs> I'm trying to picture what a Womb Cannon really is. And does that look like Baby Yoda? Blorda versus Womb Cannon. I mean, Blorda really is Baby and Yoda like combined into one word. I mean, it's. I mean, honestly, I'm, I Womb Cannon is is nowhere <laughs> near that ridiculous. I mean, first of all, commonly known name: Sai Snoodles and Droopy McCool. Mm-hmm. I would argue Droopy McCool sounds less Star Warsy. Dota Bond and Weedo. Greeted Jenna Wanayan, Rapper Toonie, Umpus Stay. I think I'll go with, I'm going to go with Womb Cannon. Yeah, I'm going to have as well. How many hours combined do you think you two have watched like Star Wars content in your lives? Uh, combined? Uh, like like 2,000? <laughs> like 2,000 hours? I'd say as a maybe even a low estimate, if you consider Clone Wars being a eight or seven season show that I've oh, watched yeah. at least three times through. Listen, do they have preposterous names in Clone Wars too? Because we're oh, yeah. counting it. Oh yeah, I <laughs> like when they came out with Lord of the Rings and they had to like invent languages for those movies to work, and then in Star Wars they just like I pictured like Conan O'Brien sitting there and be like Blurbo. He mm-hmm. he sells glurbs on planet <laughs> El- Elon Chickley's Pagano. <laughs> That the guy who sells death sticks, not cigarettes, he sells death sticks, and his last name is Sleaze Pagano. And every year when Bob Fox tweets out the Christmas special, like I, <laughs> I mean, they're watching porn in that. Cannot believe one movie led to all of this. One great fantastic space opera led to this world of pure pain for Coley Mix ears. It's very no, like the whole. Star Wars thing is just very because like I don't care. I, it never grabbed me like that. But like a the discourse that happens every time something happens. Like the Mandalorian is the first thing I've seen you people fucking like. <laughs> <laughs> More As, you, unanimously, I would I would agree yes. with you unanimously like. But like what confuses me is like people got really mad that they just kept going back to the well with this most recent trilogy. Like they weren't advancing the plot and then the Mandalorian comes along. It's its own thing. And then the thing you fucking freaks get it all jazzed up about is them going back to the fucking well. <laughs> Don't expect anything logical ever from Star Wars fans. Yeah, I'll tell you that right not. now. Never expect a consistency <laughs> of any kind. You, it's yeah, just you, very, like, not much am, is this big that I'm firmly on the sidelines for. Like, I don't hate it. I just don't love it. But on the sidelines watching people <laughs> have conversations about Star Wars is just one of my favorite things. And Joey Molinero getting mad that I keep making up Star Wars names online makes it funnier <laughs> for me. He's like, that's not cool, man. I'm just like, listen, I'm not. this isn't going to stop me. <laughs> because more often than not you're gonna you're gonna likely hit the right name right <laughs> oh yeah 
I mean, Grogu, the, when he, they first said that name, when Ahsoka said the name, literally the first thing that came to my mind was, I should go keyword search Coley Mick's name with, with Grogu and see if he said this already. Because it sounds like one you've made up before. The thing I have trouble with now is I always fall into the trap to like what uh, Trill just did with his list, all his serious ones. Like it's always like goo or like bow, you know? So I try and make it different, but the, it, you just fall into the same over and over again. Shout out Trill Bollins, by the way, uh, credited. I'm surprised this didn't lead off the show. He's uh, credited. Well, I don't even know if he's actually credited, but he wrote, pretty much a joke in fucking letter kenny yeah mm-hmm. letter kenny yeah gay hooters made its way in preposterous <laughs> yes, <laughs> genuinely for how long ago was gay hooters like just, i think i was, was a security guard the main joke was benghazi wings that's how long ago it was <laughs> that's yeah i guess that actually that it's, says get, it all get right the Gazi there. wings <laughs> that was the main joke yes <laughs> Is that account still active? It has to be, right? No, he got suspended a long time ago, I think. Did it? I think so, yeah. Because yeah, I think just... regular Hooters probably requested to be shut down. <laughs> it got <laughs> it got so popular so fast with people outside of like our bubble. Yeah, Twitter sphere, Twitter. yeah. Like it got out of it. Like I think day two, Chrissy Teigen was like retweeting it. And I was like, yeah. what's happening here? What what is this? What's <laughs> going on? That was a wild time. Gay Hooters. Come come get the... I remember there was one where it was like, things will get at Gay Hooters. And it's like, wings. Uh, I think it was nips. And it, it in parentheses, like, wet, wet, wet nips for after you finish eating the gauzy wings. It was like, so, <laughs> fuck, man. That was a funny account. That was a good one. Uh, Coley, thank you for... Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for not forcing me to. I'm glad Soul also came out this week because I was not watching Wonder Woman 1984. That's, that's that, my friend. Absolutely fair. A lot of Marvel next year, though. So our chance is clear and we'll uh, reconvene. We have, um, we have, uh, likely, um, not likely we're going to have a uh, WandaVision. I keep forgetting the fucking name of it. WandaVision in, in two weeks. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. Probably going to be Fridays again. Like, it'll be probably Mandalorian scheduled release. Actually, yeah, because it comes out the 15th, right? And that's a Friday. Yeah, At we'll be doing some recaps for that. 3 a.m. The next season of, of Mando, they got to do Thursday nights. I'll Simple tell you what thing. they won't do. They're not going to change that. That's for sure. Well, I messed with the formula. Yeah, no, it works. I just, I wish, I feel like the discussion around that would be actually maybe that's what they don't want. Maybe they don't want the live discussion. I think people kind of see that and they go, we have to wait till Monday, like give people the whole weekend. They you need to make like a running list of new Mandalorian season three characters. What they didn't wait for was Wonder Woman, by the way. They, 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 had, they had a chat on the Wonder Woman account. Uh, and we were in notifications for it because Ken Jack and I have all those turned on for like Warner Brothers. And oh, <laughs> Patty, fuck, Pat, yeah. Patty Jenkins at one point was like, n- not to talk about, sp- she was sp- uh, trying to avoid spoilers. And then she like explained like a ham fisted way of explaining a question to somebody. As the Warner Brothers account was just tweeting spoilers from the movie, they were live <laughs> tweeting the movie and they were just tweeting all the things that were happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, you get not on the same page. 
they were just hoping like maybe if we really explain this movie to people they won't hate it <laughs> typically the best movies are the ones you need to explain so <laughs> yeah that's what i've been told um all right that's it now thanks again to coley wonder woman and 1984 and the midnight sky later on in the week for ken jack and coley mick i'm jeff Full. we will talk to you next time he's not here to say it uh, that's right coley mick can you say and have a good week at the box office folks how fair <laughs> enough then we're done <laughs> <laughs> All the weather outside is frightful But the fire is so delightful And since we no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Oh, it doesn't show signs of stopping And I brought some corn for popping Lights are turn way down low Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow when we finally kiss goodnight How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm All the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm All the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so Let it snow let it snow, let it snow, baby, let it snow, let it keep on falling down.